0: This is the executive floor. It should be organized, but it's not. So you'll find account executives and creative executives all mixed in together. Please to no, the difference. <laughs> Great. Hopefully, if you follow my leads, you can avoid some of the mistakes I've made here. Hello, John. Like that one. So how many trains did it take you? Yes. Only one, but I got up very early. In a couple of years, with the right moves, you'll be in the city with the rest of us. Of course, if you really make the right moves, you'll be out in the country, and you won't be going to work at all. You'll be here just across the aisle from me. We'll both take care of Mr. Draper for the time being. I don't know what your goals are, but don't overdo it with the perfume. Keep a fifth of something in your desk. Mr. Draper drinks rye. Also, invest in some aspirin, band-aids, and an needle and thread. Rye's Canadian, right? You better find out. He may act like he wants a secretary, but most of the time they're looking for something between a mother and a waitress. And the rest of the time, well. Go home, take a paper bag, and cut some eye holes out of it. Put it over your head, get undressed, and look at yourself in the mirror. Really evaluate where your strengths and weaknesses are, and be honest. I always try to be honest. Good for you. Now try not to be overwhelmed by all this technology. It looks complicated, but the men who designed it made it simple enough for a woman to use. I sure hope so.
1: Keep a fifth of something in your desk and roll so you can pour yourself a glass of breakfast before a sweet young thing walks in the front and into your life. Why, hello! It is uh, eight minutes and fifteen seconds after the hour of eleven, and this is the month of October in the year of our Lord two thousand and eight. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly really ostentatious studios of AM nine seventy. The talker, this, my friends is the Rick Emerson radio program. Thank you for joining us today. Uh it is You Want to get on board with your comments, questions, clarifications, kvitches, gibitches, ruminations, ponderings, amusements, recipes, whatever you might have rolling around inside the miraculous machine known as your human brain. It's 503 733 970. 503 2970 Uh, Richard Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, the absurd. Uh whatever it is you got. 503-733-2970. Want to email you can do that as well. It's Rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com, Sarah at nine Tim at nine seventy or Richie with a T at 970.am, and so forth and whatnot, and hey, hey. All right, Uh, what's coming up today? CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins will be joining us today. Uh, We will talk about, I guess they're calling it a a campaign wrap. I guess that's just an update. I guess campaign wrap is the new political ticker, which is the new black. So we'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins about all of that. We are now, how many days, 10, 11? How many days away from Tuesday the 4th are we? I don't have a calendar in front of me. (laughs) Neither do I, Tim. And it's made tricky by the fact that I can sort of calculate days if we're going from, let's say, the 5th of October to the 15th of October. But then when you're crossing months, then it becomes difficult because then you're back at zero. So how many days, Sarah? 13, 12? 11. 11. Okay. 11 days away from uh, Election 08. Don't forget. Uh, the Rick Emerson Show's Political Party. It's going to be happening Tuesday, November 4th at Grand Central Bowl right there in 8th and Morrison in beautiful southeast Portland. Along with our friends at the Willamette Week and the Oregon Bus Project. Made possible by uh, possible by our sponsors uh, Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing. Taboo Adult Video. We're going to be there Tuesday, November 4th, 7 p.m. And we will be... Assessing, recapping, broadcasting, explaining, discussing all the election results as they come in all night long starting at 7. Featuring a live broadcast by Tim Riley, news director extraordinaire who will be giving live updates throughout the night. And broadcasting across the fruit and plain on CNN Radio uh, CNN Radio Network. So Lisa Desjardins today, Steve Kastenbaum joining us from New York City. CNN Radio correspondent James Roop joining us from Los Angeles. Aaron Geek in the city, Duran will be in the studio later on today. Uh, we will do another exit poll. Since ballots went out earlier this week, people are already voting. Uh, Dropping their returns back in the box. We'll have an exit poll. We will find out what the jock itch defense is. In a criminal case, we'll talk about the ten most disappointing Halloween treats and something else. i written something down earlier that seemed very exciting. There's plenty of exciting things going on. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not even a f- stacks of exciting things. And it's not so much even that it's lost in the pile. So much as it is lost in a series of piles of stories, all of which seem equally gripping today. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, in any event, Tim Riley working on the following uh, stories for your edification on this Friday. <coughs> Sarah Palin denies I spending $150,000 on clothing, saying she's being picked on because she's a woman. I think she has a point there. Scott McClellan backs Obama. 650 dead Oregonians will receive ballots. A mother walking with her sons in Southeast is kidnapped at knife point. A standoff in Southeast ends with tear gas fired into a home. A college student dies during a binge eating contest. A baby eats crack at a party. The Pentagon is working to invent packs of robots that will hunt down uncooperative humans. And the most important one, a piece of breaking news. Deadline Philadelphia. (laughs) That woman, who is a John McCain campaign worker who claimed she was mugged and had the backwards bead carved in her face after being found to have a John McCain puffer sticker on her car, who she also claimed she was uh, taken advantage of. She admits, oh, by the way, she is a native of Texas. She now admits she made up the whole thing. Well, that's hard to believe, Tim. I'm stunned by what I'm hearing. All right, somewhere Tawana Brawley is smiling, by the way. Uh, we're joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Hello, how are you today? Hello, I'm doing very well. How How's you? your car? Full of mice?
2: It's still full of mice. I haven't done
1: anything about it. So here's the... Now, we didn't get a chance to talk about this yesterday, uh, but... And I don't... Is that video posted of us going through your trunk looking for the, uh, for the rat or the, whatever? Yeah, I think,
2: Richie, yeah, because we are having some...
1: There were some technical issues some problems, with it. Yeah,
2: but now it's, yeah,
1: now it's all fixed. So he got it edited down, and I think it's posted. Uh, Richie, is that video online... Great, thanks. Well, yeah, we'll be okay. Great. So it's going to be online. So yesterday, Sarah w- revealed that you had at least one mouse slash rat living somewhere in your car, or it had been in your car. It had lived
2: there at some point.
1: Because it, it could have been like set up A blanket that I still have not recovered. They're gone.
2: <laughs> They're somewhere inside my car.
1: Yeah, and so there was. So we had this whole thing yesterday. We were like out there with the camera, going through the trunk of your car, looking to see. You know where the rat might have been, if it was still in there, if it had taken it on the lamb or whatever. So Richie's gonna have that posted. But at the end of yesterday's show, you actually found like a big chunk of cheese and your deal was you were gonna leave the cheese on your back seat last night and then this morning see the cheese was still there to determine whether or not the mouse or the the rat or whatever it is was still living inside your automobile because mm. the cheese was still there today.
2: It was still there, not even touched, not even, it didn't even move.
1: Now, see, I don't know, see, maybe you're fishing with the wrong bait, though. See, I was talking about that yesterday, and somebody told me that but contrary to... But there was cheese
2: to, my Bling Cuisine.
1: But there was also, like, starch, right? Yeah. I, see, I don't really know. I'm not a, a rodentologist or whatever, but somebody told me that the, the, the whole thing about mice and rats eating cheese is actually just solely the creation of uh, of cartoon animators. That They're not really the partial. They're not partial to cheese, and they will in fact overlook it if there is any other kind of food available.
2: And there wasn't. I didn't have any other food in my car.
1: Now, Sarah, that's not.
2: <laughs> no, now I've cleaned it. <laughs> well, except for the life box that's still in the. Except bag. for the
1: box of cereal that's just sitting in your trunk. How long has that been there? Um, a few months. Okay. Why would you... Let me just...
2: My mom gives it to me. Like, when I go to visit her, she puts a bunch of stuff into a bag, and she's like, now do you... Like, she gives me all the cereal that they don't want, and then I forget about it.
1: Are you sort of like... Uh, are you the recipient of the same kind of food that you would give away when you were a kid at Christmas, when they would be collecting for the poor, and you'd give them the lima beans because you don't want lima beans?
2: My mom gave me blueberry pie filling. <laughs> like... I've, I have never, and will never make a In case a pie. of a comic
1: war. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so she gives me random things like blueberry pie fillings and, like, extra large tins of, like, tuna fish and, like, a weird noodles. And she gave me some hamburger helper.
1: Don't say this the wrong way. Is your mom crazy? <laughs> no.
2: I think she just really, like, she wants to get rid of the stuff that so makes her feel better by thinking she's giving me food. Uh, pie filling? I have a can Does that I don't was... know who you are. Does she
1: spend any amount of time with you?
2: I don't know what I'm supposed to do with it. It's, so it just sits in my. It's I've had it for like a year. And it's then just, she
1: gave her some, some yarn. <laughs> <laughs> totally.
2: A big yellow can of blueberry pie filling.
1: Well, okay. Well, if you don't want it, just feed it to your rat. <laughs> um, well, that's fantastic. <laughs> and you can't really throw it away because it's food and presumably somebody paid for it. Uh, but you also don't, you don't want to like give it again, uh, give, give, give it the goodwill of the food bank or something. What are, the, what are the homeless going to do with pie filling? I mean, I guess they'd eat it if there was nothing else around, you feel like kind of a jerk giving that to them. There you go. I uh, would
2: feel like a jerk giving away pie filling. So instead, I just have it in my cupboard year after year.
1: Okay. then. Why don't they have pie baking classes for the homeless? And so when you go to see your mom, she does the whole, like, you're so thin, you got to eat. Yeah. Dang it. so she just loads you down with a bunch of stuff that you're not ever going to eat. So it just stays in the car until the rats come to feast on
2: it. Well, Don't forget about it, yeah. And she, she also likes to make, um like, well, I love my mom so much. She's amazing. Um, so she also makes little uh, gift bags for every holiday. So she's uh-huh. made me a Halloween one, which she gives me the most random crap. Like, she gave me a bunch of uh, glow bracelets, those, like, snap ones that turn glow bracelets, and a popcorn ball. And a big thing of like truffles and um, a bunch of twisty straws.
1: You know, here's the thing though, you know why that is, is because your mom is a teacher. Mm-hmm. And that is a very teacher thing to do. Where, you know, the, the kids come to school for Halloween and then they get, they get like, I don't think they get popcorn balls anymore. I don't even know if they celebrate Halloween in schools anymore. So, um,
2: it was a prepackaged popcorn ball.
1: Really? Oh, mm-hmm. so it was from the store. When, yeah, it was like thing. I mean, I'm old enough to remember teachers making stuff at home and then bringing it in, like giving crafted from their kitchen, which was actually good because it's always better than stuff from the store. Mm-hmm. Do kids even celebrate Halloween or has that been sort of PC'd out of existence by the That's too bad. But I well I don't really know though. I mean, has it? I don't know. In a public school do they celebrate Halloween, which is all about ghosts and goblins and spooks and specters? And Maybe Satan? Susan Reynolds knows. Doesn't she have children? That yes, she does, Tim. Does she ever So that's a good question actually. I would be curious to know what holidays they now celebrate at public schools, because I realize that I've I haven't gone I left the public school system in nineteen ninety one, but even then you weren't you know, high school you weren't really celebrating Halloween. So the last time I would have been in a a grade where they celebrated a holiday like that would have been eighth grade, which would have been nineteen eighty seven. But even then I can't really that's not really a benchmark because I was going to a Catholic school where things were a little wacky. So you got your Halloween.
2: Did you not were you not able to celebrate Halloween at Catholic school?
1: Well we did. Which is strange when you think about it, because, again, it's all about the, the devil and whatnot. But, you know, but again, it was also, in the you know, it was 20 years ago, so it was a sort of a different time. But, but there has been some sort of ruckus over the last few years about these sort of up, uptight, like, nutcase parents getting all up in arms about their kids celebrating something that has to do with evil and skeletons and you know, zombies and whatever. So there's Halloween, which you can see people objecting to because it's morbid or it's about the supernatural. And then there's Christmas... Which you can sort of see schools not wanting to do because it puts them in, because then they, you know, then they get in trouble with folks who feel like religion ought to be kept in the school. Even, though, you know, which is a stupid argument because Christmas is a fundamentally secular holiday at this point anyway. So, I don't really know. Well, th- th- people undoubtedly clarify that for us. But your mom is a teacher, and I can totally see her doing that as a teacher, where it is stuff that isn't going to cost a lot, but is kind of cool. And it's also not the kind of stuff that, you know, you're going to get in trouble for. You're not going to be, like, giving the kids stuff that, you know, that they're going to cause any sort, of a, any sort of a problem with. So, like, a bendable, twisty Halloween straw is the perfect teacher thing. Yeah,
2: she, but no, I, I got multiple bendy, twisty Halloween straws.
1: That is wonderful. Yeah. Right. And
2: then, yeah, she always sends me a, a care package on uh, Valentine's Day, too. Those are always hilarious. And she, and she fills them full of, um, like, Valentine's Day napkins for some reason every year.
1: Have you ever considered the fact that you are, in fact, uh, that you might possibly just be getting stuff that is left over from when your mom teaches class somewhere? Probably. Then your mom goes to school and she gives out a bunch of Halloween cards and napkins and, uh, you know, like boxes of sweet tarts that nobody wants to say things like, be mine on the front. And whatever the kids don't want, she just sticks into a bag and gives to you and your sister. Mm-hmm. All right. that ha- That's another one. Valentine's Day. Do kids still celebrate Valentine's
2: you're, Day? I think you're allowed to. My friend had a kid and, like, you can only... Uh, bring cards. If you bring cards for
1: everybody, really? Mm-hmm. But yeah. I, I can see that getting into some sexual harassment. Thing. I was actually just yeah, going to yes, say P- the same thing. PC things are. That's. I can see that becoming. I can see it becoming an issue of harassment. Can't you also see this? Mm-hmm. Can't you also see some school getting in trouble because some? Uh, you get some boy gives a Valentine's card to another boy. The second boy gets all up in arms about it, and then there's a whole thing about. The t- tolerance in schools and how much is too much. And is this the gay agenda coming to Stoller Middle School or, you know, whatever the, the school is? I don't know. Well, a parent will undoubtedly call up and clear that up for us. All right. It's 503 733 uh The beginning of show clip today was from Mad Men. Season finale of Mad Men coming up this Sunday. Now, you have to watch it. Because if I come back, because of on Monday, if you haven't watched it yet, then it's going to be all awkward. Then we're going to have okay, to put Okay, I'll make sure I... I, I watch it. Well, what happened last Sunday was I ran behind watching Cold Case Files, which is usually on right before that. And so it would have upset my routine if I don't do things in order. Well, that's not nearly as important as, as Mad Men, though. Okay. I mean, and I understand, don't get me wrong. I'm a guy that has to eat the fries first and the main course <laughs> uh, second. In fact, I went to my father's place last night with uh, Jason Crump and Aaron Durant. So I'm sitting there and I order my meal and. I don't mean to knock the waitress. It was kind of a, you know, for being around 9 o'clock on a a Thursday, it was actually pretty busy. So the waitress is, you know, trying to hold down about 15 different tables, and she's getting drink orders and, you know, whatever. And so I order the same thing I always order, which is a grilled cheese sandwich on sourdough with bacon, please. Uh, And then the fries on the side, and it's all worth it for the expression on your face just there, Tim. So... She, no, we all have our own
3: individual things. I'm just
1: saying, and you know what? She always brings me the menu, and I always pretend to look at it, even though I know I'm going to order exactly the same thing. I mean, rare is the occasion when I order anything different at that place. And don't get me wrong, I love my father's place, one of my one of my favorite restaurants, slash bars, slash lounges, slash speakeasies in the entire world. But I'm a man who doesn't require a lot of variety. So I order the same thing every time. So she brings me my sandwich, my fries, and my coffee, my whatever. But then she forgets to bring mustard. And then i got to wait for her to bring the mustard back, and I can't start my fries until I get the mustard, and, of course, I can't eat my sandwich until I eat the fries. So it's a whole thing that works backward from condiments. Uh, And I understand that, because I like dining in only five different establishments. Yeah. And they have to be in order. If something is out of order, then it just upsets the rest of my week. Now, when you say it has to be in order, do you mean the order in which you go from one establishment to the other or the order in which you eat your food? The weeks that I eat at certain restaurants, and it's always on Saturday. I go out to eat every Saturday. At one of five different restaurants. Now, so in other words, you have restaurant one, restaurant two, restaurant three, four, Four, five. five. Do you eat in a... So you go in a loop.
3: Yes. That's fascinating.
1: So what if restaurant three was closed or busy or having a private engagement you weren't able to get in? Would you still go out that Saturday to eat or would you just go home and pick it up next week? In other words... Then they lose their place in order. And don't get patronized till they come up again. See, it's happened before. See, that's my question, actually, because we're crazy. Mm-hmm. That's my question is what is more important to you, the routine of eating out on Saturday or the routine of eating at those restaurants in order? So when it, in other words, if your choice is either eat out of order mm-hmm. or not eat on Saturday, you will still eat on Saturday, but you'll skip that restaurant. Correct. And they lose their place until five yes, weeks. Yes, they hence. do. It's punishment. Excellent. Good for you, Tim. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? Structure and rules. But I will sp- come back again. Well, it, yeah, but you know, at, at the appropriate time, four weeks into the future. All yeah. right. All right. You know, you, you know, such structural sets are what separate us from the animals. And there are some places I only eat at once a year, like, I only eat at Sherry's once a year, and it's always after I come back from a Halloween party. And you eat at P.F. Chang's on your birthday. Yes, but they're also in my regular order. Really? hmm If you were to start, let me ask you this, if you were to start from scratch today, in other words, if I were to wipe the slate clean and you were to start back at restaurant number one on this sort of interesting schedule that you do. Where is P.F. Chang's in, in the list? Where are they? What restaurant number? Uh, let's see. There are there are three. Okay. So you go to restaurant one, restaurant two, P.F. Chang's, mm-hmm. restaurant four, restaurant five, then back to the beginning. Correct. Excellent. All right. I love conversations like this because it makes me feel less nutty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So between this and Sarah's car being full of vermin, I mean, it's. Uh, I feel positively normal today. What was my point? Anyway, blah, 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 something. I don't even know how I got into the business of me eating a sourdough grilled cheese sandwich with bacon last night. Nope. not you at my father's plate? Yeah, but I don't, know, I don't know how I got to that. Anyway, it's 503-733-2970. Let's do some phone calls here, uh, and then we will plunge on ahead into the day's amusement. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Howdy. Hello. Hello, you're the first call of the day, sir. Please don't suck.
4: Oh, very nice. Well, I wanted to let you know, I have six kids from age 4 to 17, mm-hmm. and they do celebrate all those holidays at the schools, and I have to buy all that crap times 30 times 6 every year. So your so, kids,
1: so it's a public school? Yes. All right, and so they do celebrate Christmas, Halloween, Valentine's Day.
4: Valentine's Day, Arbor Day, Save the Earth Day. Arbor Day. Day.
1: What do they do? Ridiculous. What do they do for Arbor Day?
4: We go out and plant trees.
1: Okay, and what was the other holiday you listed?
4: Uh, let's see, there's, oh, it's Green Day or Earth Day or whatever that is. Where we celebrate our saving the planet. from Can't
1: you just celebrate Earth Day on Arbor? doesn't If you go out and plant a tree for something, shouldn't that buy you off for Earth Day? You shouldn't have to do two of those.
4: Well, I would agree, and then multiply it by six. I just run my ass off about seven times a year, making certain everybody's got cards and candy and cookies and muffins and all the crap that makes everybody happy.
1: Now, for Valentine's Day, are there any rules about how your kids can give out Valentine's or to whom they can give Valentine's?
4: Well, the requirement is they bring enough for everybody in their class except for the girl in high school, and we just lock her down for the day, so she, <laughs> we don't have to do that. We put, but, uh,
1: we, put her in a, we put her in a British tower with a moat around it.
4: We do, and when she's 35 and if she still wants to date and I can't catch her, she can <laughs> go ahead and do that.
1: Excellent. Thank you, sir. All right. Wonderful. I'm still back on Sarah having a big thing of pie filling in her cupboard.
2: I'll bring it in for you tomorrow.
1: Fantastic. Because we all want some pie.
2: I'm sure maybe if I stick pie filling in the kitchen somebody will take it.
1: Oh later. no, if you leave it here, somebody'll take it. Somebody put one of those somebody took one of those things of uh, a of or nutter, whatever that the, whatever the, that marshmallow crap is, that marshmallow fluff. Um, it, but I remember going to Catholic school and of course Catholics are all about helping, you know, the less fortunate, depending on who they are. And so we would have to bring canned goods to school, and I did the same thing that every kid, I would just go through the cupboard when my mom and dad were asleep or when they were gone, and I would just find all the crap I didn't want to eat, bam, right into a bag, take it to school, hey, give this to the homeless. What is it? It's 15 cans of beets. <laughs> so I would just do everything I could to get rid of all the objectionable food in the house that way. Ah, uh, let's see. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, this show ever. How you doing? I am fantastic, sir. Say hello to Tim and Sarah.
4: Hey, Ben. Hey, Sarah. How are you? Hello. Hi, thank
1: you. How are you? How can we help you today?
4: Hey, I heard you talk about the Alatooki Zoo yesterday yeah. the, from the Tom Likas show, and you said they re-arrested her. Well, I listened to most of Likas, and he didn't say anything about it, so I called and talked to Dino, and he got online and couldn't find anything, so I don't know.
1: Well, somebody sent us the story yesterday. That being said, I mean, I didn't really double-check the timestamp, so it's possible it could have been just somebody resending an earlier story, but it it did seem like there was a, a new development in it, so I will uh, I'll look into it again. Likas has been the... It's been a busy week, I think, for everybody who's doing this kind of a show because, you know, not just the not just the economy, but all of this election stuff, and there's, you know, there's, you know, if you're into the World Series and that kind of thing, that's happening. Right. So I'll I'll uh, I'll look into it. I'll pass it along to Tom if I can find it.
4: Right on. There's definitely a lot of crap going on. That's for sure.
1: There is indeed, sir. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. We'll do a couple more, and we'll take a break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey,
5: Rick, Tim, Sarah. Hello. Uh, hey. Hi. DJ?
1: Yes. What's up, sir? Uh,
5: well, uh, I have a few things. First, uh, I saw this uh, pretty entertaining video on YouTube called "The Bet Who Didn't Bet," which is kind of like it plays out like a Dr. Seuss novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and uh, it's it's safe for radio. Um, and all and that was pretty much it. It's pretty entertaining about you know how bad of a choice Sarah Palin was.
3: Well, it just seems like
1: nobody's vetting anybody this time around. I mean. Really, not just Sarah Pela, that Joe the Plumber thing, too. You know that whoever came up with the Joe the Plumber hook is in a back room right now. I mean, even now, being beaten with a hose, like Andy Sipowicz style. So, yeah, it's... Right. Um, I got to tell you, I'm already in a way, as much as I'm loving this campaign season, because it's just so entertaining and it's just such... Such theater. I mean, it's just such off-the-charts absurdist entertainment. I'm almost looking forward to about, I don't know, maybe next March so I can be reading the books by Jeff Greenfield. You know, that are recapping the entire thing. So, well, we'll look look for the video, sir. Uh,
5: Second, um, for your political party. Yes, sir. uh, Since it happens to be November 5th at midnight, uh, maybe you should play the, you know, right at midnight, you should play the 1812 Overture. Oh, yeah, because of the
1: 5th of November thing. Uh-huh. All right, excellent. I'll put it on the, uh, and, I'll put it and, on the list.
5: All uh, right, And one final thing, um, I re- just read this uh, comic book called Cross. Yes. Which kind of takes a new spin on the whole zombie apocalypse thing, where instead of it being like The Living Dead, it's like where uh, a large, like most of the people just went crazy and uh, basically lost all inhib- inhibitions and um, morality and basically go to town. So it's you
1: know? not. Is it, so it's not unlike Living in St. John's. Oh, that's too easy. That's just—I'm such a cheap joke. But, I'm sorry. I, I, but uh, yeah.
5: basically, uh, if you ever do read the first issue, yes. uh, the the last page will sear your brain. <laughs> I mean, it's just so depraved.
1: Well, there you go. I like brain searing.
3: All
1: right, thank you, sir. I appreciate the call. All right. I'd like to just observe that... Shiny, a slang term for great use in the television series Firefly and the movie Serenity. You know what I'm talking about. All right. It's 503-733-2970. I'm going to read one real quick uh, news blurb here, then we'll break. We'll come back with Lisa Desjardins. I'm Steve Kastner. Now, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Oh, and we have to give those against me tickets away today. The show's tomorrow. we got to do it today. Those uh,
2: are gold, too.
1: I'm just going to read this. This is from uh, some listeners sent this to me. I think this is originally from ABC News, but I'm not. I'm not. Th- anyway, it's a whole thing about I guess there's some people protesting because they're trying to keep strip clubs out of. Uh, where the hell? Yeah. Where are they? Tualatin? Anyway, they're talking about some protesters who are trying to keep uh, strip clubs and topless clubs and whatever from opening in Tualatin. And I'm just going to pick up halfway through this article where it says It's all the result of an Oregon Supreme Court liberal ruling on obscenity. Uh, Pornographic bookstores and nude dancers are considered protected free speech in Oregon, and God bless us for it, which many state residents defend vigorously. But now, says this news story, residents of one small city outside Portland are trying to draw a line with an uphill battle to keep one more strip club out of their town. One protester says he's attempting to keep a new Star's Cabaret from opening in Tualatin, He doesn't want it in his town, which he describes as, I'm quoting now, which this anti-strip club protester describes as a leave-it-to-beaver community. (laughs) It is. It is, Tim. And those are fine communities in which to live. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Alright, take a break. Back after this, Lisa Desjardins, Steve Kastenbaum, uh, Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth, Jim Roop, Aaron Duran, exit polling and more. Stay there, it's the Rick Emerson Radio. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. I'm just reading this headline directly from uh, CBS radio station KDKA, which I believe is in... Uh, what the hell is KDKA? I don't anyway, I'm reading. Somebody sent this to me. This is from uh, KDKA. I, the headline said, "Where I, I guess this must be a region or a city or a, a county or something." The headline just says, "Sarah Palin draws large crowd in Beaver." Five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Thank you for joining us. Coming up later on today, CNN Radio correspondent Jim Roop, uh, as well as Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth, Aaron Duran, and so forth. This, however, is CNN Radio Correspondence. Lisa Desjardins, hello, how are you today? Hey, I'm well, how are you? I am fantastic. Wow, right on. Could you be, like, more sparkly? On, a, oh. I mean, oh. just at any given moment, really, it's, uh, you really, it's like, you, much... it's like you've come, uh, it's like you've come right out of a, an Ovaltine commercial sometimes, uh, and I mean that in the best possible way, really.
6: You know what, Ovaltine, I have to tell you, I thought for the longest time that it was an orange-flavored, tang-like drink.
1: No, 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 Ovaltine is a chocolatey yeah, drink. Yeah,
6: I had no idea. For some reason, I missed the whole Ovaltine train. It wasn't until a Christmas story that I really, that I understood.
1: I missed the Ovaltine train.
6: I did miss the Ovaltine
1: train. Let me train. say, by the way, in the history of humanity, no one else has ever used that phrase. You are <laughs> the first person to ever put that combination of words in that order.
6: Outstanding.
1: Um, also, no one bothers to compete with Tang, because really, they're the, uh, the you know, in terms of powdered citrus drinks, they're the, uh, they're, the, they're the alpha and the omega. There is no beating <laughs> Tang, you know?
6: I, I believe
1: it. Okay. Um, okay, so... Uh, yeah,
6: okay, yeah, downshifting to the election. Jesus, where do, oh, and,
1: uh, <laughs> and when I downshift, it's not because I'm not looking forward to it, not because I don't enjoy no. discussing it. It's like, you know what it is? It's like downshifting because you're on some treacherous stretch of black ice, yeah. and you're also going up a hill, and also your brakes are out, and somebody has just spilled a whole bunch of oil all over the road, and there's a big bus of schoolchildren ahead. <laughs> Yeah, there's, so you just got like 1,500 different things that you've got to worry about all at once. So let's talk about this um, this nutcase McCain worker, this campaign worker who yeah. I guess now has...
6: I mean, that is happening now. That is right now. Yeah. So about it?
1: here's here's how the story unfolded. So yesterday around 2.45, right as we were wrapping up our show, Tim Riley, news director, came in and he had this story about... And I don't have the story in front of me, so I'm going to have to punt on some of the details. This woman who was the campaign worker for McCain who claimed that she was given, like, a beat down outside of her ATM, was mugged, mm-hmm. and then when the attacker uh, discovered that she was a McCain supporter from the bumper sticker on her car, then I guess uh, violated her in some horrific fashion and carved a big B mm-hmm. into her face. So, yeah, it's
6: actually, a, as you look at it, it's like a reverse
1: B. Well, here's the thing right. about that. So as Tim said this story yesterday, he and I both immediately, it was like a jinx one, two, three kind of a moment, Tim and I immediately both said... Morton Downey Jr., because if you remember, Morton Downey Jr., who was in his day a groundbreaking television host... As his career was flagging, he tried to boost his sort of image. He tried to get a little buzz about himself by claiming he was beaten up in an airport bathroom by skinheads. Oh, yeah. And the story all fell apart when they discovered if you looked at Morton and they claimed that they wrote a swastika on his face. But if you looked at the police photos of Morton Downey Jr. with a swastika on his yeah, face, it was, was backward, like he'd done it looking into a mirror, which right. he had. Right. And so as soon as this story came out, Tim and I both said, Morton Downey Jr., that was the last thing I heard about it till I came in this morning. And then literally within the space of about 20 minutes, it went from the attack to skepticism to now the woman just copping to the fact that she made the whole thing up.
6: Yeah, how about that? And, and they, I mean, her story just didn't add up. And it, part of the reason it didn't add up was because they had the tape of her at the ATM machine. And and she clearly was not being mugged, is what they say. And then they said, all right, let's take a lie detector test. And then that's when, now they say, absolutely not true. But, but apparently what we don't know for sure yet is we don't know. Was she truly a McCain campaign worker who went from Texas up there to Ohio? You know, it's not clear. I mean, the McCain camp didn't disavow her uh, when the attack happened, but, but we just we don't know, we don't know who this woman was. Or uh, is.
1: <laughs> it's just... Uh, it, it, that would be
6: so great if she had done the B in the mirror. That would just be...
1: Well, because if you look at it, the bee, it's backward.
6: Right. That's right. It is. Exactly. I mean,
1: so... Yeah, that's yeah. right. All right. Well, in any event. So, yeah. you know what it is? It's yeah, not...
6: It would be alarming if someone who would do that. I mean, this election is... Now, I mean, clearly, she, was mo- she has some kind of weird election, either obsession or motivation here to try and make the Obama camp look bad. Also, did you see the story today about, uh, I think it's just called Obama-Hitler letter. Did you see that? No, no. i to figure out where this is.
1: I'm now resigned to the fact that developments in this campaign cycle are coming so quickly that even if I were to clone myself and have yes. two Two, two actual heads like Zaphod Beeblebrox, I still wouldn't be able to read all of the news that comes out. So no, what is the Obama Hitler letter?
6: Right. This is in Indiana, um, Franklin, Indiana. Apparently, a Republican county clerk, uh, uh, took, uh, took a piece of paper that, um, it's, it didn't mention Obama by name, but I guess it had his picture on it. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, and it, and it said something like, uh, um, U.S. citizens, oh, it didn't have a scripture, but it said, U.S. citizens are not just ready to give up their country to this young black Adolf Hitler with a smile. Jesus. <laughs> and then apparently put this on at least two, two coworkers' desks anonymously. One of the coworkers called the police and there was an internal camera that, sh- that showed who it was. <sighs> And, and then apparently the woman responded and said, I, "I never intended to offend anyone." Oh no,
1: I can't. I don't understand why anybody would take this personally. I don't.
6: And she said she was just passing along an item that was already circulating.
1: Food for thought, Lisa. That's what that was. Well, did you see this story? <laughs> this here's how insane this last, especially three months, has been. There was a story. It was in, it was in Rancho Cucamonga, which sounds like a made up place, but is in California. There was a story about. I, I wish I had. I wish I had the details in front of me. But it was. So I will leave. I, I won't try to guess at some of the details that I have in front of me. But it, it, essentially, there was a woman who worked for. She was a Republican Party volunteer in California, and she had distributed a flyer that had a mock-up. Basically, it was sort of you know one of like you know they used to have the like Richard Nixon three-dollar bills or whatever, and it was a it was an anti-Obama pro-McCain flyer that had a, you know, basically a piece of U.S. currency, but like it was Obama currency. And then, I mean, I can't even believe in 2008 I am using these words. But it was an Obama piece of currency that this woman had made up. And then on it, it first of all, there was like some some sort of thing on it about how it would, would also double as food stamps. And then there was, yes, both bad clip art of fried chicken and watermelon on it. Yes, yes. Yeah. And
6: and they yeah and they, and they were actually saying, well, you know.
1: And she actually said, she goes, well, it never even occurred to me that fried chicken and watermelon would be seen as inflammatory next to a picture of Obama. I was just talking about food, you know, food stamps. And you just want to sort of, and this has nothing, in this case, this is a very broad statement about everybody, about, <clears throat> about 80% of the people in this country. You just want to grab people sometimes and just give them a good, just give them a good shaking and go, what? What is in your brain? What is inside your skull that makes you this way?
6: Well, I'll say that, I mean, and of course there have been John McCain signs that have been ripped down and all kinds of things happening on that end, too. Uh, But I I will say the winner here today, Hitler.
1: (laughs) I mean, well, that's right to the Godwin. I mean, that's right to the, the, the Hitler thing. How do I put that? To be I very... love.
6: I mean, I just. I kind of. I. I love. i kind of have a hobby of collecting Hitler anecdotes because it's just amazing how people just throw throw it around.
1: I was actually going to say it's. It, this is a tricky phrase, but you understand what I mean when I say that the Hitler thing is actually just funny because it's because it's never used
3: appropriately,
1: right? You know what I mean? Like the Hitler comparison is never used in proportion. Right. Oh. It is always about like somebody who wants to, like, put in three more parking meters downtown. And they go, you know who else likes parking meters? A guy named Adolf Hitler. That's right, Jerry, Hitler. I,
6: I feel like today is a very big day for Adolf Hitler because, uh, you know, up until now, I feel like there's almost been, usually you hear some kind of, you kind of get what, you know, usually it's someone who's, like, a dictator of some sort right. probably a dictator. You know, you kind of see maybe where they're trying to go. But with this, a young black Adolf Hitler. Like I, I feel like now all bets are off. Just bring up Hitler whenever you want. Whenever you want to put anyone down, doesn't need to be a connection.
1: Well, maybe we should do that for the rest of the day on the show. It's...
6: <laughs> right? I feel. I feel like he has. He has greatly expanded his rhetorical, uh, metaphorical empire today.
1: I. You know. I think. Didn't there that scene in Office Space? Uh, Sarah, we has that, you know, the Nazis had pieces of flair. They made the Jews wear. (laughs) Wow. Um, uh, So there's that. And then uh, now that we're just totally into this weird, philosophical, comedic navel-gazing, here's another interesting thing to ponder. One has to wonder what the actual Hitler would think about this. (laughs) You know what I mean? One really has to wonder what Hitler himself would feel about being used as an analogy to describe uh, a black man who will probably run the most powerful country on Earth uh, in a few weeks. (laughs) That's I mean,
6: fantastic.
1: I honestly don't even know how to feel about that. I like mean, they,
6: you know, Jesse Owens, really, he's a, he's like a, a a Hitler for the Olympics. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> make, I can't imagine that Hitler. Like Jesus. I'm sure it would just, it,
1: yeah. This country, fantastic. this country is just. I I said something a few weeks ago. I said that you know this country is starting to go. It is what Art Bell used to call the quickening. That the, the crazier and crazier things are happening. Faster and faster and with with less and less time between them and somebody said well no, you know people have always been crazy It's just that because of the internet you sort of think that people are going crazier, but there are days when I'm not sure that's true There are days when I think that really We and I think it is an American phenomenon. I think in America. We have started to come apart at the seams mentally somehow I I I really do believe that Mm -hmm. there's uh, There really is something I interviewed a psychologist the other day for something not so for my 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 TV project that I can't really talk about. And I, uh, right, right. But I but I had this what I thought was a pretty fascinating discussion with him. I said if America was a, a a mental patient, in other words, if America walked into a shrink's office and laid down on the couch and talked, what would the diagnosis of this country be if it were a patient? And he had some really interesting thoughts on this. And I hmm. and he said that we would be first of all an adolescent. Secondly, we would be bipolar-slash-manic-depressive. Thirdly, we would have poor impulse and anger control. Uh, and fourthly, we would be completely in denial about all of the above three problems. <laughs> and I really do believe that there's some validity to that. Don't get me wrong. I like it because it provides entertainment for me. Yeah, but well,
7: right, Jesus.
1: Right. All right, well. Um, there's so we, something
6: there. Yeah, I'm trying to think real quick. We've got... Um, well, we
1: got the $150,000 wardrobe, which first... Yeah. And let me just say in advance, I know it sounds like we're just picking on McCain and Palin. I mean, I really know that. But you know what? Obama's not giving me anything to work with. He's just dull. There's, he's he's giving me no grist. He's just I know, sort of uninteresting. I know
6: what you're grandmother for crying out loud. Yeah,
1: I mean, there's nothing. The guy, you know, I get complaints that people think that we're just piling on to Sarah Palin or whatever. But there's just, you know, that you find me Obama saying the c-word live on MSNBC and we'll play it. Right, um, <laughs> I'm sure. So well, first the McCain campaign admitted to Palin blowing 150 grand on clothes, but now they're saying it's not even true.
6: Well, it's complicated. They McCain has talked about this, but he clearly didn't like dealing with it. And, and this is something that really goes against generally what McCain has stood for in the past. And it seems to me very unlikely that McCain knew anything about this, or Sarah Palin for that matter. Um, somebody probably just handed her some clothes. Uh, so, But it has, you're right, it has created a big uh, kind of... Muckety
1: muck, I would be curious to know this. Here's what yeah. somebody should do. it okay, the little little I, I've been helping out the Republicans lately offering to do their campaigning for them. They haven't taken me up on it, okay. but <laughs> right. here's a little idea for the Democrats. Yeah, uh, that Joe the plumber nitwit, whatever his real sam Finkelbottom or whatever his real name is. Oh
6: yeah. whatever
1: the somebody should find out how much do we know how much that guy makes a year? I mean, in reality, not like in his crazy fantasy land where he's going to buy his own company.
6: Um it it is it is certainly very like far like 40 away
1: from, grand or something.
6: Probably I don't know but it's very far away for In fact the boss of that company doesn't make 250,000. You
1: know what here's what the Democratic Party needs to be doing right now. They need to start a series of ads. This is such a genius idea. I ought to backbill them for this. I want them to do a series of ads where they actually calculate how many years Joe the plumber would have to work to come up with the money just to buy Sarah Palin's clothes over the oh. last month.
3: There you go. Nice.
1: Joe the plumber would have to if he makes 40 grand a year, Joe the plumber would have to work for four years, to come up with the money that Sarah Palin used for one set of campaign clothes.
6: What they're saying, what the Palin, what the guys, what they're saying is that she, she actually herself is saying that she's only, she only used those clothes for three days. I don't know if you remember. She kind of they made the announcement. She went to the convention, and she actually wasn't home for um, like a week or so, and then they had to go home and get clothes. So she's saying she only used those clothes for three days and that it's all the rest of it's going to go to Wait, charity which is, still is, is like is that 400? supposed to make
1: people feel better that she spent 150 grand on something she used and wore for like, three days
6: what you think you think oh geez i don't think that
1: helps. it really. must be nice
6: yeah i mean she clearly really was not involved in this in the shopping it just speaks to um democrats I'm, can use this say republicans are rich that she's she doesn't need you know she's got plenty of money or I'm surprised
1: money. they didn't have her buy everything at Walmart That's what I would have done I mean literally I would have g I would have made sure that there was some for
6: the gap you know going yeah. the gap because I think actually Michelle Obama her folks have been very smart every time she gets a dress off the rack they yeah. put that out yeah you know?
1: i you know, she know what buys
6: some expensive clothes, but when she buys clothes that or not
1: I would have probably... planned some spontaneous looking footage of Sarah Palin buying her clothes at Walmart that would yeah. have resonated well that if this and then is
6: the, the new thing today is the associated press is reporting that um they've hired uh for her they had hired a makeup consultant the person doing her makeup is the same one who does uh so you think uh, you can dance. I think that's the show. Anyway, they paid this woman twenty-two thousand dollars for the first two weeks of October to do makeup uh, with Sarah Palin, which I have to say, there's Madeline Albright probably a little bit harder to do.
1: You just need a you need a makeup gun for okay. that.
6: Right. I would hope you'd and the AP points out this is the AP points out that actually that's twice as much as um, Senator McCain's foreign policy advisor was paid during that. Uh, so yes. I mean it's all. Problem. Meanwhile, though, now we're getting an Obama story just crossing CNN now. Saying that um, Obama is spending on ads, in a totally different category. I know, but I'm trying to say something about Obama here, and this is the, the story stands out. He has spent um, more than any um, company in the world on, on U.S. ads, except for AT and T and Verizon.
1: Well, you know, we got, that guy's there's just money coming in over the transom with that guy
6: in massive amounts. Of-
1: you know, I, I will say the thing about Sarah Palin's clothing and the, the, the whatever. I don't even really care, uh, you know. You know, every, I sort of just take it as read that everybody he does, is.
3: He is the hockey mom. Yeah, everybody. You know, right. Everybody is. Everybody
1: is corrupt and vile. Everybody's in it to get their palm greased. Everybody is in it to to get to you know to get grafted. That's fine. I'm I'm with that. Hey, look, I, that's what I'm here for. Anybody wants to, uh, you know, is it, is it, you know, uh, you know, wake up in the well. I guess it's wrong for me to say that. I'm open to be bribed, uh, but. But you know what I mean. Look, you know, you, you know, you, go, you whatever your gig is, whatever you do in your life, you're out there trying to tr- trying to trying to get a little, a little piece. That's what everybody does. That's fine. The only thing that offends me is just like the incompetence of this from a campaigning point of view. It just offends my sensibilities that they are bungling this. It's just it's like seeing someone do their work poorly. That's that's what bothers me.
6: Well, I think to some degree, you, I think what you see is the people who run these campaigns, and you see the lives that they are used to running. You know, I don't know how much it truly says. Deep down, about Sarah Palin or John McCain, but to me, it says a lot about the people. No, it's, that's the thing. It's their
1: handlers are doing a bad job.
6: Well, no, they, but they—they are used to—they—they they are going to go and they're going to spend money right away at Sachs, at Neiman Marcus. You know, that is—that is where they're going to go and buy money for buy buy clothing for Sarah Palin. To some degree, it reminds me a little bit of when I was traveling with the Clinton campaign back during the primaries, and and you just knew that her staff was used to spending money. That right. They had, the, you know, and that they were kind of laying out these lavish spreads of food as I told you that we couldn't even eat. You know, versus the Obama campaign was really like everybody got their lunch sack, you know, really there wasn't it wasn't that huge of a difference. Right. You could tell the mentality was different.
1: You know, God is in the details. God is in it. It really details. is. Um and then finally oh, before we, we go nice here, you. Wow. Sc- what's that?
6: That was so Buddhist. Uh,
1: it's what I do. It's all about having layers. Lisa. <laughs> uh and before we go here, yeah, so it looks like uh Scott McClellan who really is one of the dullest men ever to walk planet Earth. He's
6: uh, trying real hard, though.
1: Yeah, he, so he came out and endorsed Obama, which I guess is not a big surprise because yeah, he wrote that big backstabbing big book surprise. about I the U.S. Uh... Like,
6: I feel like he's just, he's so out in the, uh, you know, he's not even in the upstairs freezer. He's like in the downstairs basement freezer for Republicans. He Do just,
1: have...
6: he's, he's done. He doesn't, he does, so it's not going to hurt him. Yeah, I
1: mean, it who, who cares at this point? Um, all right, uh, big plans for your weekend.
6: Um, you know, I head off uh, to join up with the Election Express tomorrow.
1: What is the Election Express?
6: Oh, it's a bus that CNN has that travels around. I'll be with Bill Schneider, but tonight we've got poker night.
1: Who is playing at poker night?
6: Poker night. Uh, me, Jason, a bunch of our, bunch of just our, our gang of friends.
1: Alright, so this isn't like a West Wing thing where it's like all the CNN correspondents doing poker night together. I
6: mean, God, I think there's any... Uh, there will be some other media people, but I don't think anyone from CNN.
1: You know, that's interesting. It's, we, it's weird how those stories... Are, I guess maybe not that... It's not that weird. I guess maybe all businesses and industries do that because there's like a media game here that I play in. Yeah, um, yeah. Right. Which is... Which is, which is uh, you know, which is sort of interesting because it's, uh, it's one of those, I think, phenomena that happen everywhere. Probably Joe the Plumber has a plumber's game. He goes to <laughs> so Plumber's
3: game. Right. Alright. So um, I feel
6: really it is kind of Media. Yeah, it's just our buddies, but yeah, there's some media people.
1: Final, final, final question. Since you're yeah. going to be doing poker tonight, is this uh, is this hold'em? Is this what what is the game?
6: I'm guessing hold'em. I all don't right. know. I don't know yet.
1: But and since it's just you and I, and nobody else is listening here, uh, do you have a lucky hand, a hand on which you will always play, even if it's conventionally bad?
6: I need one. I don't have one. No.
1: All right. See, I can't say mine because I've been people listening. There's some people listening who, who play against me, so uh, I can't say that. All you right, all right. Come no. up with a lucky hand that you always go in on, even if it, you know, even if like Phil Helmuth would say fold. Really? I yeah, didn't. Okay. Saying. All right. Okay. All right. Have a good weekend. We will okay. talk to you next week. Okay, great. Thank you. There you go, Lisa DeJardin. All right. I'm sorry. Sometimes I forget that I'm doing a show and that there are other people, other people waiting to do things today. Um, I, I, occasionally I realize that Lisa and I could just fall into some wormhole and talk for three and a half hours. Or so I
2: that's what telephones are for.
1: Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Wow. I'm
2: glad that well, I'm really glad. Does that I'm come here? with a band aid? No, I'm just really glad that we didn't schedule Steve because I'm looking at him like, that was 20 minutes.
1: Yeah. All right. uh, break here, by the way. just want to remind you that uh, one of the anti-strip club protesters in Tualatin refers to that city as a leave-it-to-beaver community.
2: We've used the word beaver a lot today. Yeah, we
1: have. Oh, and then, uh, yeah, and then that's the other thing. That headline from KDKA, uh, Sarah Palin draws large crowd in beaver. Mm-mm. All right, back after this. Tim Riley has walked into the studio, which means we can only be moments away from the Ministry of Truth. Is that right, Tim? Yes. And I was shocked at something you said a few minutes ago. Really? Yes. We'll find out what I said that shocked Tim Riley when the Rick Emerson Show returns. Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503 Thank you for coming by. Uh, let me wait for this to... I'm sure my blog updates here before I mention it. I guess I'm mentioning it now. All right, there you go. I've, uh, I've posted, by the way, that headline from... Um, the headline for that video. The headline just says, Sarah Palin draws large crowd in Beaver. It's wonderful. You can see... If you, do, if you don't believe me, you can look at it yourself. Uh, go to RickEmerson.com. I have posted that there under the uh, heading "Best Election Ever, Ever." It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. In just a few moments, we'll have Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth later on. Jim Roop, Aaron Duran from GeekInTheCity dot com, uh, another exit poll, ten most disappointing Halloween treats, and uh, so forth. And well, let's just, let's do this. Let's uh, before I talk about. This great thing that I have here right in my hands, let's talk uh, to Tim Riley. It's It's time
4: for the Rick Emerson Show's new news hour, only on AM 970, The Talker. And now, from
1: the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. It's our biggest story. That campaign worker admits, making up the story, Pittsburgh Police Commander says Ashley Todd who's actually from Texas, confessed to making up that story and is now facing charges. Ashley Taunt is 20 years old from Texas. Initially told police she was robbed at an ATM in Bloomfield, that's near Pittsburgh, and the suspect became enraged and started beating her after seeing a John McCain bumper sticker on her car. So police investigating the alleged attack, however, began to notice some inconsistencies in her story and administered a lie detector test. Investigators did say they received photos from the ATM machine and the photographs to verify this her not being a victim or making a transaction. This afternoon, a police commander said Todd confessed to making up the story. She will face charges, but police will not comment on what the charges are. According to police, they noticed inconsistencies in her story after she made various statements. Police Commissioner Diane Richards released a statement earlier today, saying because of inconsistencies of the statement, Ms. Todd was asked to submit to a polygraph examination, and she agreed to do so. So I I don't know if she uh, I wonder if she's a cutter. I yeah. likes
3: to make backwards bees.
1: I'll tell you this I'm looking so somebody uh, captured her space page before they made it private, mm-hmm. uh, and her this is uh, let's see Aaron who listens to us in the OC. Uh, it says Rick, thought you'd be interested in looking at screenshots from Ashley Todd's Myspace page. It has since been made private, but in it she talks about being and then he has some screen captures. She talks about being politically assassinated, and and um, she took a one of the you know those quizzes you can take like a like which Breakfast Club character are you? Mm-hmm. Uh, she took a quiz it was how will you die? The uh-huh. quiz stated she will die because of political assassination. Uh, another quiz she took told her she is the most evil person she knows. So, uh, there you go. <laughs> she is the most... So, yeah. the most surprising part, when you read this a little while ago, you told everyone it came from KDKA. Is North... that what I said? Uh-huh. And right. you said, where is KDKA? I know, I know. I'm an, I'm an embarrassment. I'm a terrible person. I, I I almost choked on my lunch. I know. It is America's first and oldest Pittsburgh. commercial radio station, ten, twenty, fifty thousand 50,000 watts. And they were first to broadcast an election. Right. Now, is that Pittsburgh? Am I right about Pittsburgh. that? Pittsburgh. Okay. Now, here's the reason... Just my own defense here, although yeah. I should say I'm not unlike a lot of a lot of guys who, who work in radio and I'm not. And I wish I was more like this, but unlike a lot of guys who work in radio, I am not one of those guys that that knows call letters and cities and the histories of call letters backward and forward. I wish I had more of that knowledge, but for mm-hmm. some reason, I never seem to retain it. To me, it's, it's sort of like remembering, um like, state capitals or something. Mm-hmm. Like, I wish I was able to do it because it's sort of impressive. But I remember that stuff, and then it kind of falls out of my brain. So I probably know more call letters in radio station history than, let's say, the average person. But in terms of radio, like, like a guy like you or Craig Adams or one of those guys, like, I got I got nothing. But, but so when I was talking about KDK earlier, I had this voice in the back of my head that said, first broadcast station. Yep. But, but, to hear, but here's what I was saying. I thought, well, that can't be true because it's... Because it would have three-letter calls, you know? And it might begin with a W, since it's east of the Mississippi. So There's how can no it be thing. the first broadcast station if it's just people... Because originally, but broadcast call letters were like WLS or mm-hmm. KOA or KGW. Or, or in many cases, when they first started, they have a combination of letters and numbers. So why would it Even be K-E-K-A that. if it is, in fact, the first broadcast that station? That is weird, isn't it? That's why I didn't think it could be true. So I kind of... I had that knowledge but I sort of doubted it because of the four letter call letter thing. I believe it's the, it was the 1930s when wow. they started doing that separation. All right. Now see so there you go. So I kind of knew it but I wasn't mm-hmm. I wasn't confident enough in my own knowledge to not say that it out that loud. Important. No, I you know, I know I know you I know you think less of me. That's no, it's, it's 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 all right. It's, all right I'm like, it's it's not that big of a deal really. Live with your disappointment. You know what is a big deal? What is? So Richie Bristol brought in I have no choice here. I, 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 These he, are great. The, it is a thing that it is, a, it is kind of a visual thing, so I apologize for that, but that we can't not mention what Richie brought in. And if you hear this right here, you know what that is? That is the sound of 40-year-old newsprint. These are newspapers. Broadsheets. From 1968, this is the Evening Star, which I believe was a D.C. paper. Yes, it was. Probably, I don't think it exists anymore. Uh, Richie is, what, remodeling a house? A friend of his? Richie, a to a friend of his. Come into the studio for a minute, if you would, Richie. I want to know where you found these newspapers. I want to take some of the bitchin' stuff that is in these newspapers from 40 years ago. Um, I, I have the one from the day after RFK was assassinated. And these, which would have been June 7th, 1968. And these newspapers have a great smell. I mean, I guess maybe it's mildew, which is sort of gross It'll or whatever. The
2: studio smells like them now.
1: <laughs> but it smells like my grandfather's basement. It's a smell that I always associate with being downstairs my grandfather's place, where he had old newspapers and magazines and Playboys and stuff just stacking up there. And you get that weird mildew smell over the course of... I mean, just that... And it smells like one of those great old-ass uh, bookstores you'll find in a tiny town where it's you just catacombs. Like library or something. Exactly. So, Richie, where did you get these newspapers? Uh, my friend Turtle, he's uh, tearing down an old 1960s house. Turtle, is he kind of a big guy with a facial hair? Yeah, you played uh, poker with him. Does he uh, Does he work at Cibala's, or did he? Uh-uh. Not paper? Uh-uh. Okay. I know more than... Two guys, I know at least three guys named Turtle. Yeah. Um, all right, so he's tearing down a house. Uh-huh. And he said he found a bunch of stuff. But where were these, like, in the, in the basement, or where were these at? Uh, the house was halfway burned down, and it was in the attic, I think. Wow. wow. So I am looking at the entertainment and amusements page of The Evening Star, Washington, D.C., Tuesday, June eighteenth, 1968. I have to say right now, this is one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my life. I am reading now to you the current movie listings. From this newspaper, again, June 18th, 1968, and it's not, even called, it's not even called Entertainment. This section of the paper is actually called Amusements. It is the Amusements page. This paper published Listen. until 1981 when it went bankrupt. Listen to the movies that are currently playing in the Washington, D.C. metro area um, on June 18th, 1968. First of all, they've got one of the... Hey, this hadn't even opened yet. There was one of those great teaser ads that just says, Pray for Rosemary's Baby. Starts June twenty sixth. Doesn't give any information, doesn't talk about the movie. this was a famous ad campaign because mm-hmm. they put these in they put these in personals ads too. It's right here. Just it just says Pray for Rosemary's baby. And that was one of the first viral marketing campaigns because they didn't tell you what it was. And there was a what they first did for Rosemary, which is of course about a baby who was born of the devil.
2: Oh, that movie's cool and
1: it's a up. creepy movie. Uh featuring Sharon Tate. And they put classified ads Because sometimes, like back then, people would put these ads in the classifieds where they would ask people to pray for a loved one. It would be like, pray for Francis, uh, you know, Billings, who is suffering from cancer. You know, please, you know, all prayers appreciated. And they put all these classified ads out that said, pray for Rosemary's baby. And nobody knew what they were talking about. Who is Rosemary's baby? And it was one of the first viral word of mouth campaigns it's not a stretch to say all the Dark Knight stuff that happened last year is an outgrowth of this Pray for Rosemary's Baby campaign. So this paper has one of those. Here are the other movies, though. I'll start with the, the mainstream films. These are the movies currently playing as advertised in this paper. I hold in my hand. Alan Arkin as Inspector Clouseau, which means that it's like pre-Peter Sellers. Mm-hmm. How about this one? Today, two showings, 2 p.m. and 8.30 p.m., a stunning trip into the future. Stanley Kubrick's two thousand one A Space Odyssey. Um, box office opens every day at twelve thirty. No phone reservations. How about this? Oh, and it's showing in Cinerama. Look at that. Showing in Cinerama and Super Panavision. What else do we have here? Um Paul Newman n- now playing. Paul Newman in Cool Hand Luke. No way. Yes, in Technicolor. Right there, man. Now pl- it's playing, it was playing. At the Lowe's NBC Theater, Paul Newman and Cool Hand Luke, Technicolor Panavision, um, reduced evening parking. Right next to, let's see, right below that, we have a live performance. This is not a movie. A live performance opens tonight through Sunday. It's Socket it To Me time, Tim. The Rowan and Martin Show live. How great is that? A live Rowan and Martin show. But then, and this is the last thing I'll say about this, and then we'll move on. Right above that is the porno ads. I'm sorry, uh, ads for adult cinema, such as The Young Girls of Rochefort. Uh, that's at the Playhouse in color, 18 and over. Isabel the Female Sarley now comes to you in Put Up or Shut Up uh, at the new Penn Theater, adults only. And then right below that we have um, we have uh, Venom, which is another no admittance under 18 at the new plaza. So this is the, the adult ads right up there. Wow, that's just fantastic. So thank you, Richie, for bringing these in. These are really amazing. They're terrific. I mean, just to think that there was a time. I know we got great movies now. Whatever, blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying the past is better. But to think there was a time when you could just walk down the street. How much do you think a movie cost in 1968, Tim? I mean, just to go and see a regular first-run movie, how much was that? I think it was like 75 cents. Oh, bastards. Oh, man. You could just go plunk down 75 cents and see a brand-new movie a called yeah. Cool Hand Luke. Mm-hmm. Ugh oh, that's so great.
2: Speaking of Richie, today's a special day, too.
1: Uh, the day that Richie becomes a woman? Oh, I think that's the secret. He started getting his hormone shots. What is today?
2: Today is Richie's one-year anniversary Oh, really? On the show. Hey, hey, congratulations, Richie. Richie. Well no, done. Now, this show.
1: No, wasn't he here in a previous inclination of this program? He was here at Max 9. He worked with us at Max 910. That's what I but thought. He just, yeah, he did the promotions and stuff, right? He was in promotions at Max 910. He worked some of our listener parties. Uh, and then we came over here, and then Scotty came, and then Scotty left, and then Richie came over here, which is where I think, which is I think now where he belongs. I think mm-hmm. we realize now that was the destiny of it. Mm-hmm. Richie was meant to end up on this show. Well, actually, congratulations, Richie, on one year. Scotty well belong going back to the business world. That's what I'm saying. It's true. All right. We love you, Richie. Fantastic. Fantastic. My uh, mine is uh, my newspaper is from the day after the Kennedy assassination, and it has a schedule of services around the country for him. So this would have been uh, June seventh, nineteen sixty-eight. Now, does it say assassinated or that? Please forgive my co- my historical ignorance, because he died. Like, did he die immediately or was it hours just after? About, no, uh, just about immediately. So it's interesting that it doesn't say Robert Kennedy assassinated. It said Robert Kennedy dies. That's the big headline. Well, the the, the other thing is, uh, the other headlines is how the father took the, the news. Now, by this time, the dad, Joe, I mean, this was after his stroke. He could barely communicate with anybody. Right. It says how the father took the news with courage and resignation. And then it says at the bottom of the page, Teddy assumes Kennedy family leadership.
3: Like if only there was, they'd like known. It was an
1: election. <laughs> really? That's like the cardinals got together and burned white smoke. <laughs> Teddy assumes Kennedy family, le- the surviving son, also on here. Does it say? Does it is there another article later that says local girl, uh, local girl Kopechny hopes for big future in politics? That would have been later. That would have been much later. Also, uh, the worst shelling battered Saigon, which was the capital of South Vietnam at that time. Uh, the Viet Cong, who were the communists, launched a bloody rocket battle in the war against Saigon. Uh, they wounded 46, killed 25, so it was clear that we were losing. Well, here's the, the other Viet great Viet thing Kong. about these newspapers. These papers from 1968, so right after the day, you know, the day that, after Kennedy died. Well, the bus th- schedule gives free runs to the Kennedy gravesite. Really? Yeah. Even then, the Kennedy. Every 15 minutes. And by the way, check out that bitching ad for a Nehru jacket over there with a the gold medallion. That, class all its own. that is so cool. These news, you know what's also interesting? Here's the thing I think about sometimes. And this is all just like we're stoned in our dorm room talking about the election. Like, <laughs> did you ever think about. But here's the thing I think about. Do you ever go back and you look at newspapers or whatever from a previous time, and it's right before a huge event, often a traumatic event, and you realize, you, you wonder about the people at that time and how they never. They had no idea what was about to come. Um, I remember. Um, I actually I used to I have a a letter that I, I I forget who it was it was from I think it was from the folks at the Onion because we were going to be doing a radio interview with the Onion mm-hmm. uh, when we had just started carrying the Onion radio news back at uh, KOTK and I I had this letter that I kept actually because I needed their contact information but the letter was it was September 10th 2001. And it was, like, and the, the the letter guy, the Onion Rider, was in New York City, and uh, he, did, you know, he he did survive 9/11. He wasn't killed or anything, but but it was. I, I have this letter from him, September 10th, 2001, and he worked right near the World Trade Center, and uh, but it was like a, hey, we'll hook up tomorrow for that interview. My schedule should be clear all day, and it's weird when you think about that, you know, guy sending you from New York City a letter on September 10th, 2001, saying, let's talk tomorrow. My schedule will be clear all day long, and you realize. You know, it just, it just makes you, it really is weird. You think about it, they just had no idea. So, it's like you see those, news, have you ever seen those newspapers about the day the Titanic launched? No. You go no. back and you, dude, you want to be weirded out? Go back and read some of the headlines, newspapers from back in 1911 or one of those, 12, where it's, you know, Titanic launches, biggest ever steamship sets record, is unsinkable. And you read it and you're just like, man, they... They just did, you know, they had no idea what was about to come down. I mean, they just had no, they couldn't even have conceived. And this, these newspapers, which are from the day after Kennedy was, uh, Robert Kennedy was assassinated, these would have been about one month before the DNC convention happened, which really was when everything in this country just went right in the toilet. I mean, not that, not that there weren't, I mean, I'm not trying to downplay the assassination of Robert Kennedy or anything, but I'm saying there have been, Because that was after MLK, correct? Correct. And so obviously after it was was like uh, two months after that, wasn't it? And after JFK as well. But everything really spilled over um, at the Democratic convention, Convention. which is a month later, when in Chicago, when the Yippies and Abby Hoffman and those guys, you know, were there, and the Students for a Democratic Society showed up to protest, and uh, Mayor Daley decided to uh, deal with things in his own rather um, iron boot fashion. And I mean, that's when it all—that is when everything jumped off, as they say. So, wow! Wow! TVs were still expensive back then—one hundred seventy-nine dollars for a portable TV. A hundred seventy-nine dollars—that must have been a lot of money. Well, I get it. To, look, I mean, that's one of those things about electronics. It's weird that electronics get cheaper every year mm-hmm. because I—the you know, TV that I've got now is color, huge. I mean, you know, it's sort of like thirty-five inches or something. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it cost me like two thirty, maybe two thirty-two forty. I mean, it wasn't—it wasn't a lot. So. It's weird that electronics go down and price of everything else goes up. They're also in there. Is a great ad of like it's a car with a Don Draper guy standing mm-hmm. like an Imperial or whatever. Yep. Wow. So anyway, so there you go. So thanks to Richie for bringing those in. It's, Thank you, Richie. It's pretty – it bends your brain when you go back and you look at that. When it, or, you know, when they have the TV listings mm-hmm. and it's like three channels and they only list five shows because everything went off the air at like 10 p.m. They would do the news and they play the national anthem and then just silent. <laughs> the TVs also have the, the second clicky knob for the UHF channels. Totally. I love the second clicking knob, but it was a little frustrating because the UHF would list like 99 channels. What was the point of that? It was just there to tease children. I mean, there were no 99 freaking channels. There were three. Why were there 99 channels on the UHF dial, Tim? That I don't know. But I mean, I I don't understand why that was. Sarah doesn't remember these, of course. You don't remember UHF dial.
2: No, but I, I had we had always had old TVs like with all the clicky knobs and stuff.
1: There was on televisions up until I would say the mid to late '80s. Televisions had two knobs. One was the big knob that went to like channel two, three, four, and then there was a second knob that went from you or no, that went from like two, literally up to 99. And I remember looking at that as a kid going. Are there 95 other channels I should be getting? Like, why are we getting the rest of these? Yeah, I like, is my antenna not on right? It was like it was just there to screw with you. To, because, you know, the, the, the past sucks. And and so the idea that as a kid I only had like five channels or something, I mean, that's a uniquely American complaint. But I mean, I have five channels, you know, there's nothing on, you know, you were screwed. And so I would look at this UHF knob and go, why can't I get these other 95 channels? Maybe um, do I need bigger rabbit ears? What seems to be the problem here? And I couldn't figure out what the deal was, and I still don't even know what the deal was. All right. Anywho, all right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Ted Kennedy has begun building his reputation as a different Kennedy. <laughs> well, he was that. He was that. Yeah, he did end up being different. I'll give you that. Uh okay. Yeah, that's great. In other words, he was going to—he uh, was going to take the plunge as a candidate. Tim. Mm-hmm. Yes. It also says here. Other shot in Los Angeles are also improving. So people forget there are other people shot that night. Well, people are saying it's Mia Farrow, but Sharon Tate is also in Rosemary's Baby. Yes. Uh, Rosemary's Baby is Mia Farrow and Sharon Tate. They're both in that film. Oh, by the way, uh, let's see here. Um, somebody's uh, did clarifying the KDKA thing. Rick, when KDKA started, the only call letter assignments for the U.S. began with K. It was not for a few years when it became evident we would outgrow our allotment did we obtain the W assignment, which was then for stations, still is, I think, for stations east of the Mississippi. Um Old stations were allowed to keep their call letter assignments. Okay, but that, that still doesn't explain why they were doing... Why KDKA would have been the first signal, but it's got four letters. Because mm-hmm. all the original radio stations were three letters. Again, like WGN. Well, whatever. All right. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. So I'll put this down for now because I can't stop reading. it. I know we have to do other things. Because it's hypnotizing. It, it really, yeah, it really is. It's fascinating. Just to hold an old newspaper in your hands. Well, back to more important things. The Oregon Zoo's Asian elephant cat, Sumandra, celebrated his two-month birthday. And biologists says he is happy, healthy, and making great strides. Sam, as he's often called, weighs 467 pounds. That's up more than 180 pounds from his birth rate. He's just a normal American, apparently. We couldn't be happier about the way he's progressing. Who is this, an elephant? Yes, Sumandra. Okay. The new elephant at the Oregon Zoo. He is growing and learning and interacting well with other females of his herd. It warms the heart to see Sam and Rose two together, they say. Sam was born August 23rd at the zoo, and his mother, in confusion, almost trampled him to death. She stopped doing that, though. She's beginning to like the little critter. Wait, is this the same elephant that was being beaten? Yes. A while back? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Asian elephants are an endangered species. Luckily, 25 have been born at the Oregon Zoo. All right, then. Oh, uh, somebody's got a clarification on the TV now, i Hi, you're on The Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey
8: Rick, I was gonna say the reason it goes up to 99 is because there's different TVs channels assigned in every market. I mean, channel eight is not NBC in every single city, and so each one would have their own signal weight rate, rate, and then so the TVs are made universal. So
1: they had to be. So it had to be made to accommodate whatever uh, whatever, whatever the broadcast. local.
8: So yeah, that channel frequency. two, depending channel two. So whatever your channel was locally, then you had all the options available depending on what the channel.
1: I see. So it had to be market. able to cover the whole spectrum, basically. Yeah. All right. Okay. No, that does make sense. All right. Thank you. And
8: then I uh, also have a book that I found that you might really dig, being a being a lover of words. Mm. It's called Writing the Mother Tongue.
1: I have. What and is it, What is the book?
8: Uh, it is um, written by a little man named David Walle. And what it is, is about the the history of the English language as far as the spelling and the current movement in the U.S. to correct spelling as oh. far as to make it more simplified.
1: Yeah. I'm all over that.
8: Yeah, and it's uh, it's uh, available at Fine Powell's uh, Books, and actually, I think he's the author is going to be at the uh, downtown Powell's Excellent. tonight.
1: So it's a new book.
8: It's a new book. Right. Uh, yeah, it's called Yeah Writing R I G H T, not W.
1: All right, I will totally pick that up. Thank you. All righty, Mike. All right, there you go. Fantastic. Uh, all right, well, I need something to put on my uh, on the bookshelf at home next to Eat Shoots and Leaves. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Uh, good afternoon. What's up?
9: Um, I collect old newspapers, so it was kind of interesting listening to what you are talking about. Um, I found some one time from this old lady, and I mainly collect on Kennedy items. And she said she had some Kennedy assassination, President Kennedy assassinations. And I'm going through the pile, and I start pulling some out. And after about the fifth one I pulled out, I realized the newspaper actually said President shot. It didn't say he had died yet. And there's only an hour time frame from when he was actually shot to where he was declared dead. So I've got five newspapers saying that he's been shot.
1: Oh, I see. Dead. Yeah, they were rushing it out. It was like a street, a, a late street edition before he had been pronounced.
9: Exactly. Wow. Uh, so regarding the, Robert Kennedy, he was shot on June 5th, and then he died like 24 hours later. So there's a possibility on that. All I'm, right, so that would explain
1: that one. That one that's in the window between the shooting and the death is really fascinating, though.
9: It is. And Then is. I've got, I've got one other one for you, though. Yeah. You were making the comments regarding Kopechny. If you ever get a, a moon landing... Uh, June or July of 1969. Uh-huh. And I don't remember if it's the day that it landed, but it's within like a day, maybe two days after that, so you still have all kinds of prominent moon landing stories. That is the day that Ted Kennedy drove uh, into the into the water.
1: Really? I didn't know that. I didn't know it was the so same day.
9: It, it, it's, it's, well, it's not, it may not be the same day. Maybe a day later. But, but I mean, but in it's lo- in
1: that same, right around that same time frame?
9: Right. And usually right on the front page, you're just going to see this little article saying Kennedy, you know, uh, and woman drowns, that type of thing. Yeah. And it's, it, it's really strange to, to read that.
1: Well, I'm, you know, I bet I bet Ted Kennedy was never so glad for science and progress. <laughs> All right. Exactly. Thank you, sir. You bet. All right. Alright, so now, uh, now there's this whole uh, kerfuffle starting. First of all, usually the listeners are correcting me. Uh, today it's the other way around. So this guy says, Alan Arkin's Clouseau was post sellers, not pre sellers. Well, that's not true, because this paper is from 1968, and sellers died in 1980. So, um, uh, so I, I think it might have been, but it might have been a one-off or something. I mean, it might have been a movie that the, the nobody could, you know, that nobody really heard of. Now, see, now there's a whole debate about whether whether Sharon Tate was in Rosemary's Baby. I thought Sharon Tate was in Rosemary's Baby. I thought Sharon Tate was in Rosemary's Baby. Mia Farrow was the star, obviously. But I thought Sharon Tate was in Rosemary's Baby, which is one of those things they talked about as sort of the curse of that movie because, you know, Sharon Tate got killed by the Manson family the next year. Well, all right, well, I'm going to have to look it up. Now People are going to be snarky emails about it. All right, here's Tim Riley. Well, uh, a standoff was ended in tear gas being fired into a home in southeast, to the surprise of no one. Where in southeast? Uh, Southeast. Uh, This is at, let's see here. Let's start at the beginning. A routine traffic stop resulted in the standoff lasting more than four hours in southeast. After pulling over a van driven by 28-year-old Olin Butler, police were checking his ID when they learned that his $500,000 bail warrant on the charge of attempted murder was still on the books. Uh, Butler suddenly bailed out of the van and dropped a handgun as he ran across a uh, division. He ran inside a house in the 2400 block of Southeast 90th Avenue. So the SWAT team came in, or as we call it here, the CERT team, uh, surrounding the home for hours and tried to communicate with Butler via phone and... Loud hail, whatever that is. Eventually, police fired tear gas into the house, and Butler and the female acquaintance came running out. Butler was arrested, booked into the county detention center. No injuries reported, so uh, Trimette's uh, bus line 4 was rerouted around Pommel. Yeah, the tear that. gas is sort of mystifying to me. What does tear gas do exactly? It makes you cry. Well, I, okay, I guess I could suss that. I just, I'm a, tear gas seems like one of those things that they've never bothered to update. It must work so unbelievably well that there's no need. Because they were using tear gas in, like, 1950. And they're still using it now, so I guess it's one of those things like the styptic pencil uh, that they just, uh, you know, that they just developed and they they ran with it. By the way, uh, here's an interesting question about radio call signs. Rick, do you think that at one point there was a radio station with the call letters WTF? Yeah, probably. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, here's Tim Riley. Okay, so uh, Sharon Tate wasn't in Rosemary's Baby. See, but why do we both think that? Because she was in Valley of the Dolls. Well, I know she was in Valley of the Dolls. I'm I was looking...
2: wondering when you are saying Sharon Tate, because I just remember Mia Farrow from it.
1: Yeah, well, Mia Farrow, and then I'm looking actually at Sharon Tate's entry, and it, it doesn't list her. But why did we both think she was in Rosemary's Baby? I always think you're right. Thank you, Tim. I appreciate that. That makes one of us. Uh, well, okay. I, I don't know why I was under that impression. Maybe she was supposed to be in it? No, that wouldn't make any sense either, because she died, you know, even after the film came out. That's uh, mystifying. Well, whatever. All right, here's Tim Riley. It's just a weird decade of American history. Man. It is. A mother walking with her two young sons in South was kidnapped at gunpoint, leaving the boys behind. They say Martha Contreras was walking around a Southeast dark with her 11-year-old and 6-year-old when a car pulled up next to them. The guys had the car forced her to drop her grocery bags and get in, then the car sped off. The boys right, ran into a house and told the dad there to call 911. About well, five minutes later, Contreras calls her husband and said she got help from a stranger on Southeast Yamhill and used the phone to call him. This whole thing seems awful fishy. Police responded upon the woman in the front yard of her house being helped by a citizen. She has no injuries, but is clearly shaken up. She describes the kidnapping car as a newer, shiny, four-door gray and silver, possibly a Honda Mercedes, with a spoiler on the trunk lid, tinted windows, and a low exhaust with an Oregon plate similar to SDT-227. That's weird, isn't it? Yes, it is. So, uh oh, a lot of dead people are going to be getting election ballots. Oregon Secretary of State admits that 650 dead people will receive ballots with the upcoming election. The admission follows the release of a study by the Cascade Policy Institute, which compared the state's voter registration list against the national security death list. Wow, we should get that—the national Social Security death list—and found thousands of matches. The state looked at the ballot uh, registry and determined more than 1,000 ballots have been mailed to the dead. <laughs> Uh, I, I feel like there's zombie jokes I need to be making, but I can't quite figure out how to do it. So how does that even... I, I, I We're not even going to be able to answer it. Why am I even asking? Ask how that happens. Doesn't the state know when you're dead? I mean, you hear about the right hand not knowing what the left hand is doing, but I mean, really, come well, on. Well, they're awful busy. But I mean, how does it, isn't it like when you get a, 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 a death certificate filed? Like the state just goes, you know, ding, and they hit delete, and you go into a pile somewhere. You don't send anything to this guy. All right. You know what's weird about this mail-in ballot thing, though, is the notion that you don't have to prove that you're you at all. Right. In other words, not, I mean, certainly not in any way suggesting that this is, I'm saying, if you were were of a mind to create mischief, you could just go, because, you know, don't you think a lot of people probably register to vote, and then they kind of forget about it, and they get the ballot, and they don't really, you know, they they register to vote because some cute girl on Hawthorne told them to, and then they do, and then they, you know, they don't really think about it, because, you know, most Americans don't vote, and, you, don't you think you could just go to go house to house and just pick up ballots and fill them out and sign the person's name and send them in? Who's ever, I mean, again, I'm not encouraging this, but who would ever catch you? How would they ever catch you? That's would a good they, question. How would they, unless you complained that your ballot had never arrived, how would they ever even know that that fraud took place? I'm not saying there isn't a way, mm-hmm. but they must have thought about that when they went to this uh, mail and ballot thing that we've got here. I mean, somebody must have asked that question somewhere. some point, Like, how do you know somebody's just not going to go door to door and steal other people's ballots, fill them out and mail them in? I don't know. What do you supposed the state would tell me if I asked them that question? I don't know that it happens, but how would you know? The only way I think that it would ever be discovered is if someone complained about never having received their ballot, unless they do some like signature verification thing, maybe, which I guess is possible. But, all right. Well, so there you go. Time for a penis watch. Here's your penis. It's always time for a penis watch, Tim. There's always room for, for penis watch. For another penis watch. Look
10: look my another penis penis. watch. Penis. Yeah. <laughs> my troubles start a- Bad away. person. Bum, 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 I take a look at bum, my enormous penis. Elena, everything is going my way.
7: Bum,
1: bum, bum. This comes to us from Philippines. In a fit of anger after a quarrel with his girlfriend, a young man cut off his penis. In the town of Sharif Kushaban. In the town of Sharif Kushaban. The 21-year-old man, whose identity is being held uh, secretly, uh, went home angry after a spat with his gal. He went to his room with a knife and cut off his penis. The relatives heard him screaming and emerged from his room holding a bloody knife in one hand and a separate penis in the other. The relatives rushed him to the regional medical center, but doctors failed to immediately reattach the organ. As it turned out, his relatives in the panic left the penis at home. Now, I guess that's a lesson for everyone. Why not? Not now? Now? There's your penis watching. Take a look at my
10: enormous penis, and my troubles start to melting away. I take a look at my enormous penis, and <laughs> everything is going
1: All right. Alright, two things. Bow. You imagine people screaming at each other? I thought you had the penis. I thought you put the penis in your purse.
3: <laughs>
1: well, let me go through everything in my purse. Empty everything out till you find that penis. It's like getting to the concert realizing neither of you has the tickets. Uh, it's exactly <laughs> for like with that. Penis. Yeah. But with more penis. I don't have the tickets, but I do have a penis. This email says Rick, who do zombies vote for? McCain's. Reigns. McCain's. Uh, and hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show.
11: Are you still pondering the connection between uh, Sharon Tate and Rosemary's
1: Baby? Well, I am also now thinking about, like, I mean, really, it seems like keeping the penis with you is job one. It seems like that's not mm. a thing you just put, like, in the drawer under the microwave with the D-cell batteries. No, it's, you know. Pepper spray, car keys, penis. You keep. That's what I'm saying. You'd keep. Uh, you keep an eye on that sort of thing. You know, let that out of your sight for a moment. Uh, yeah, well, we. I don't know. Tim and I both thought Rosemary's Baby, Sharon Tate. Hello? Hello there. Yes, hi. Yes. Hey
11: there, man. Hey, uh, here's the connection between uh, Sharon Tate and Rosemary's Baby. Sharon Tate was married to Roman Polanski. and Roman uh-huh. Who
1: directed Rosemary's, Rosemary's Baby. Baby. All right, that's why. Okay, that's... So you were right. Okay, that makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, that I was right thinking you were right. Yeah, so I'm kind of correct about that. All right, excellent. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. All right, all right. that totally explains it. All right, that's that's exactly why. Hi, ah, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello.
12: Hey, Rick. Hello. Uh, it's Dave. I got a couple things. If you're ever down in LA, there's a place called Barney's Beanery. It's, it's a yes, local thing. Right. Yeah. Okay. There. If you ever uh, look up on the ceiling, did you ever notice the newspapers up there?
1: Uh, no. I've actually never been there. I know of the place, but I've never been there.
12: Okay. Uh, if you ever look up, they've got great newspapers from, you know, throughout, from forever. Like, you look up in Japs Attack. I mean, a horrible, un-PC things that you see from.
1: Way back in the day, it's it's, it's it's interesting. We were actually talking about the AP style book. Uh, where is is that here? Is that the front of this paper? Yeah. Um, uh, no, I think what you're looking for. There was is a front. I think it might be over here. Maybe right there. Right there. The um the last one of the right hand corner. Um yeah. So this we were reading. Uh, this is from the morning. Does this say morning? What is that? Oh, evening. Uh, it's got that weird old English font on it. Um, the Evening Star, Washington, D.C., Tuesday, June 18th, 1968. So we were reading here, and again, I am reading for the newspaper where it says, um, it's talking about, I don't know, some, some, some robbery or something. But it says, the robbers had fled in a ni- in 1964 car with Maryland license plates. A lookout was broadcast for, the newspaper says, for three Negroes ragi- uh, ranging in age from 17 to 24 and so that how that mu- and it's capitalized uh negroes is capitalized, which means that the a p style book must have dictated that it be the a p style book determines what's capitalized and what's spelled how, and like the a p style book i think says that internet is capitalized, which is why we do that um and so I was saying well which is sort of interesting because because negroes comes from what is the word what is the spanish word sarah or the, the you know, it's like uh, a, negro. It's, which is uh, dark uh, yeah. or black yeah, or black. whatever um so and so that's not capitalized, but then the AP at some point like made this call about it, which is interesting when it's you know, like a whole capitalization call about a word that, of course, no newspaper would actually use at this point. So it's a weird it, – it really is very strange to go back, and, and especially to hold the physical newspapers in your hand, you realize uh, all of the changes, both big and small, that we go through in this country.
12: Well, if you um, – I work in old houses, and if um, I get – Kind of these weird little finds all the time, especially in houses that have built-in uh, ironing boards. Right, you drop them down. That was the old filler uh, between the board and, and the actual ironing. And you open them up. I found them from the 20s and oh,
1: that's so cool. you know, 1930s.
12: And you can find things like houses on Alameda Ridge. like 1.5 million dollar houses for sale for you know 3,500 bucks. Wow. It's, it's insane. It's the, it's one of the coolest things. Oh, and by the way, I've been tear uh, gas, and it's unpleasant. It,
1: it, is it, does it make a dumb question? Does it make you cry?
12: Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it actually, what uh, the best way to say it is, you cannot open your eyes. Um, almost like literally physically, you cannot open them.
7: Uh-huh. It's,
12: uh huh. And, and breathing is, you know, sucks. It, it's it's insanely good stuff if you want to keep people away from doing anything productive.
1: Okay, done and done. All right, thank you, sir. Later. All right. Uh, We'll break here in just one second. I I, I will say, as a sort of adjunct to this discussion of old newspapers, have you guys ever found, without really looking for it, have you guys ever uh, stumbled across like a time capsule or a message from somebody like from years earlier? Here's what I'm talking about. No, but about. I mean, I've, we
2: found like Sears Roebuck catalogs and stuff in one of my old houses.
1: See, that stuff is cool. The house
2: that I that I lived in in Seattle was built in 1912, and it was an old ice cream factory. Mm-hmm. Oh. And we found all these old like um they look like Chinese food containers, but they were for ice cream.
1: We found I worked at a radio station in Washington State, and we were remodeling. Uh, this is back when things called duopolies were all the craze, and we were expanding the radio station to add uh, more radio stations, more you know, doing more with less. And uh, so anyway, so they were remodeling the whole building and i was there late one night uh, cuz even then i had no life and one of the engineers was like pulling down sheetrock or something cuz he needed to look at some wiring pulls down some sheetrock on the radio station and is reaching inside to look for you know wires or cable or something and he pulls out a piece of sheetrock that was inside the wall and it was a little handwritten note from the guys who had originally built the building in 19 i don't know, like 45 or something which was really cool, and it was like it was like a little to whoever finds this, you know, we're the guys who built this building, you know. Uh, hope you enjoy. You know, hope we did a good job. Hope it's still standing, you know. Ha ha ha. Dave and Phil and John and Jerry, Acme Construction, you know, uh, June fifteenth, nineteen forty-six. It was really cool, um, because you know, if you're me, then you think about like who were those guys. Where were they? Like, what were they doing when they did this? What did they do after? Did they put? Was this the last thing they did, and then did they all go out for a beer? Like, what was their? What was the rest of their night after they put this little time capsule message in the wall?
2: Have you never done anything like that?
1: I, I did a time capsule when I was a kid, then I completely forgot I've there. I don't remember. I've something in every apartment
2: I've lived in. Really? See, I
1: never did anything like that. That's yeah, like, pretty cool. Like
2: inside the closet or so, um, yeah, and, yeah. Plus, like, because I think I got it when I was younger, and like my you know my dad was in the navy, so we were moving around a lot. So every house we right. go to, we'd always write something.
1: That is so cool. We actually we wrote a little thing on it ourselves. And then when we remodeled the building, we put it back in the wall and sealed it back up. So it's in there somewhere. All right, we got a break. Uh, I'll come back after this. More from Tim Riley. Maybe we'll do some actual news, but maybe not. Let's just do the paper. I just say it all depends (laughs) on what else we see in this newspaper. All right, back after this, it is the Rick Emerson radio program. We return next. the Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503-733-2970. All right, one more thing from this old newspaper. I guess this is right around Father's Day. I've been looking here. Um, Landsberg's Men's Store, urging you to remember. Uh, oh, by the way, the other, there's a Did thing on this other page.
7: page about it too.
1: On, the, on this other one, there's a shorthand classes for girls. Remember, shorthand is a girl's best friend. Um, but right here. Let's see, we've got exciting new colognes and fragrances, which make a great gift for dad, as well as problem solvers. So we've got here, I swear to you, a big English leather-like cologne set. It's um, a refreshing masculine scent, captured in bath soap, aftershave, and all-purpose lotions. But then right below that, for $5.50, English leather soap on a rope. Actual soap on a rope. There was a time when that didn't exist just as a comedic punchline. It was actually... My dad used to have it. It was actually a product. But then, right right above this, you could also buy the copy of The Art of Wife Management. A modern marriage manual. Here's something that every dad will want. Again, for $3.95, The Art of Wife Management. So, there you go. Here's Tim Riley. So, Sarah Palin is now calling herself frugal... And did I take $150,000 uh, $150, in designer clothes? That would $150,000 spent by the Republican National Committee on clothing for the vice presidential candidate. $50,000 worth of clothes was returned immediately after the national convention. $50,000 worth that hasn't been worn and... Let's see. Oh, and $50,000 being used by the Palin clan. So basically what she's saying, it all wasn't for her, and she didn't keep a lot of it. Clan. Clan. So 50... Wait. So Everything that could be returned was, she said. After another third of the clothing remains unwrapped and packed in the belly of the vice presidential candidate's campaign plane. I don't understand. Okay. There's too many things. Too many things. Too many things. She, so, did they spend 150 grand at one point?
7: Yes.
2: Fifty
7: thousand
5: so so of it. She
2: did buy the clothes. So wait, did it, the hold Republican on?
1: Republican National Committee. So pardon. not only did, did 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 she buy fifty thousand dollars worth of clothing. But then she also pulled that scam of wearing it once and returning it. Yeah, it sounds like that. It sounds like, like to me. The tag in. Right. It sounds like to me. It said that she wore it once and then returned it to the store. Is mm-hmm. that? Is that? Am I hearing that correctly? That is correct. Yes. Okay. And then the rest of it was some whatever. All right. Well. Okay. But Sarah had a really great point. We were talking during the break about this, and I was saying that I did not feel that Sarah Palin was being singled out because you know if, if look if Obama had blown 150 grand on clothes, if he had gone to a you know. If he'd gone to Brooks Brothers and been like, sued me up, here's 150 grand," they would totally have called him on that. Sarah pointed out that it is worse for Sarah Palin, though, because she does play up the sex angle. She does. She, she steers into that skit of, like, look at me, look how sexy I am.
2: That's exactly it. If you wear a low cup top, don't get mad at guys complimenting you on your boobs. That's you what know? I'm saying.
1: So does that mean that SNL paid the same amount for the same identical clothes being worn by Tina Fey? No. No. I would imagine SNL probably is a frugal show. I would imagine they reuse that wardrobe over and over again. So, yeah, So if you, I mean, if you're going to be selling yourself as some, like, sex bot, then uh, don't carp when people complain about the amount of money you're spending on your uh, clothing. That would be my guess. All right, here's Tim Browning. What's new in the world of crack babies? A Buffalo, New York mother whose baby boy ate crack cocaine and opiates at a party was spared Gerald time because the judge was impressed by her effort to turn her life around. Marcia Dixon pled guilty to attempted child endangerment, Dixon uh, brought the baby to a party in June where people were smoking crack. He became ill and went to the hospital after he accidentally ingested the drugs. She was originally charged with endangering the welfare of a child and assault. Uh, but she has evidence of remorse. Said the what is the evidence of remorse? That she decided to be sterilized? It's a, uh, That's the only evidence of remorse. A great deal of remorse over the sick baby and has removed herself from the situation by relocating. Is this what counts for responsible parenting now that you are sorry your baby ate some crack? Mm-hmm. That's all it takes to be to, 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 as evidence that you've turned your life around? Well, I'm sorry the baby ate a big fistful of crack. I shouldn't have let him do that. I, uh... Is that how low the bar has been set now? Yes. Okay. More sexual explicit text messages between Detroit's ex-mayor and his ex-chief of staff have been released just days before Kwame Kilpatrick goes to jail for lying about the affair. Christine Beatty, Kilpatrick's one-time top aide, tried to keep them sealed, but a judge ordered them for public record. Let's see. Out of the series of messages, uh, one goes on, for more than an hour, as Beatty describes what she would do with Kilpatrick if they were to get together. Don't stop, please, Gilpatrick replies. The court filing also contains a message from an unidentified woman, also from 2003, that says she has goosebumps and can't wait to see him. So uh, they're releasing these today, so we'll have more of them later. A graduate student was about to win a competitive eating contest at a college in central Taiwan. Is this a death? Yes. Is it a Darwin watch? I can't tell. Yes. Just from the, the tease, I can't tell. Yes. All right, here's your Darwin watch for Friday on the Rick Emerson Show. I have a feeling some bad stuff is about to go down.
7: Don't, don't, don't. <laughs>
4: stopped. Ah, there it goes.
1: Wow, it's almost one o'clock already. It's one o'clock on KCMD Portland. A graduate student died yesterday as he was about to win a competitive eating contest at a college in central Taiwan. As the 23-year-old was throwing back buns filled with rice and cheese, as well as some of his teammates' food, he began vomiting uncontrollably and lost, uh, lost consciousness and then quickly died. The contestant was described as tall and strong. He pulled ahead of 30 other teams in the Big Stomach King contest before the incident. I can't see why he died, Reuters quoted a university dean of students saying. He had been in the contest before. He's a pretty strong guy. The victim, whose name is Chen, may have died from eating too fast. He would have won $60 dollars had he finished first place. $60? $60. All right. In the five-year-old binge eating contest. Binge eating. I love the idea that there's a contest in any way involves the word binge. Well, the Taiwan government has canceled all campus-based eating contests for now. I don't believe... Okay. I don't believe you can die from eating too quickly. I don't think that's a real thing. I think that's a... I think it's a little quackery there. I don't think that's an actual cause of death. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's get some of these uh, phone calls here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program.
13: Hey, I had a couple of things there. Chris. What do you got? Um, you guys were talking about that penis story earlier where they forgot the penis. Yes. And uh, it reminded me, I just watched the George Carlin uh, comedy thing where he was doing that. It's called Just Playing where he did, like, a whole bit about losing stuff. And, like, well, it didn't just get up and walk away. Um, just kind of reminded me of that.
12: He has,
1: well, he has that great the, the Carlin line. This is, you know, I, I miss George Carlin so fiercely. He had such a great, he had such a great ability for finding the one logical flaw or the aspect that you'd never really thought about, and then he would raise it, and you go, by God, you're right. It, like when he, when Carlin had this great thing, he said, lost. How can anything be lost? You know, nothing's gone if it's not here. It's somewhere else. You know, it was missing. He said nothing can be missing. He said, you may be missing from over here, but by God, you're not missing from over there, which is a great little, like, uh, twitch in the language that he spotted. Yeah.
13: Um, And I think you had a caller, like, earlier this week talking about the whole signature thing with the voting, where he said after, like, some 20 years, they said your signature didn't match.
1: Right, right, right.
13: Look at it. So they do a significant amount. They finally call you on it. So
1: So they do scan the ballots and check your signature.
13: I would be guessing. I don't know that for a fact. Does that
1: mean you have to be a, have a driver's license to vote? Because how uh, else would they know your signature?
13: I think that's typically how you do it. Yeah.
1: So I wonder if you don't have a driver's license. You know but you. Can, but they can't make you. Do you have to have an ID card to vote, Tim? Would you imagine? No. They can't make you have an ID card to vote. So how, if you don't have an ID card, how would they check your signature against anything?
13: Uh, I don't know that. I was just bringing up the fact that you had the caller earlier the week kind of answering part of your question. All
1: right. Well, me. I appreciate the partial answer at least, though. I'd like to know at least, uh, I'd like to at least start to know stuff. All right. Thank one you. More,
13: sir. One more thing about the time capsule thing. My yeah. dad, when he was remodeling his house as a responsible homeowner would do, he was drinking at the
7: time.
1: Of course.
13: So, uh, him and his buddies actually put two full beer cans in the walls in hopes of. For drinkers
1: the of the future.
13: Yeah, when it comes to rip it out, and they kind of left a note like that, too. So that kind of brought that up. In my that opinion. is
1: beautiful. All right. Thank you. All right, all right, I remember being in my uh, my grandfather's attic one time. My grandfather, who was the amateur pornographer, as we found out, and taxidermist, um, being in the attic one time because my grandmother did, you know, would just let me walk all over the house. And and when I got old enough that it wasn't scary, I would go in the attic and look at all the weird taxidermy stuff. there would be like drawers full of fake eyes. And when you're a little boy, that kind of stuff is fascinating. But I remember going to my grandfather's attic, and there were old, empty beer cans in the attic. The kind that you had to open with a church key—they called it—because uh, there was no pull tab or whatever—and you know, I mean, which is pretty fascinating. You know, looking back, I mean, even then, that stuff—those beer cans—must have been 35 years old. And I, I love the idea that one day my grandfather was drinking, finished a beer, set it down, maybe to go to dinner, you know, downstairs, and then just never bothered to clean it up. And like 35 years later, I was, you know, I went to the attic and it was still sitting there. I'm just, I'm fascinated by stuff that gets set down and then people forget about it and they find it 50 years later. Here's Tim Riley. Well, even the dead can't escape foreclosure, five bodies and the cremated remains of 22 people have been removed in the wee hours of the morning today from the House of Burns Memorial Chapel, a funeral home in Michigan. They were delivered to the Oakland County Medical Examiner's Office for storage around 5.30 this morning, according to the administrator, Robert Girds. I've been here for 10 years. This is a first for me. Detroit television stations aired video of caskets being removed in daylight but Gerd said there was no bodies involved here. He said his office was warned that a court-ordered eviction would occur at midnight. At the suburban Detroit funeral home, a woman answered the phone and said, It ain't nothing, baby, just God doing his work. She declined to give her name. That doesn't answer anything ever. Mr. Gerd said some of the cremated remains are from the 1990s. Mr. Gerd. The county will send the bodies to another funeral home if a family member makes a claim. <laughs> what if the family member doesn't make a Screw him. me with an ass? Um, all right. So there's, uh, do, you, do you all agree with me that there's just too much happening? Yes. Too many things?
7: Yes.
10: Too, too, too much. Uh,
1: here's an interesting thing, Tim. This email says, Rick, have you considered that some madman type wrote the very ads that you're reading in that old paper? Yes. Uh, you know, some Madison Avenue ad man mm-hmm. wrote some of those things. And you noted something, Tim, in the clothing ads? There are no photos. It's all drawings. Drawings. They are all pencil or ink drawings of guys with, like, the uh, Nehru jacket or something. Mm. Uh, let's see, time capsule, somebody suggested we had to do a show time capsule, like a time capsule from this, uh, from the, I don't even know where we'd put it, though. I have no idea where, where any, where any such time capsule would even, would even go. Um, speaking of, uh, GERD, well, I'll wait, are do we have, uh, any, any McCain, Palin, political, Obama, Biden news coming up? Oh, yes, because I got, have you heard this, heard this interview with this idiot McCain supporter? That uh, and she's an idiot anyway. By the way, let me just point that out. Yes. She's. I mean, her, her. What does John Bender say? You're an idiot anyway. But if you say you get along with your parents, you're a liar too. Uh, this is my constitutionally protected opinion. Mm-hmm. She just comes off as unbelievably dense. Regardless, she of course just happens to be a McCain supporter. Um, so I'll play a little bit of that when we get to that news. Here's Tim Riley. Wait, do we have Jim Roop now? I mean, no offense. I'm. We'll yeah, take oh, Jim rope Any of them. Did I write down 05? Was it 05? No, but that's okay. Uh, no. Speak to Jim Roop immediately. No, no, no. We'll, no, we'll take Mr. Roop's calls now. That's Mr. Roop is not to be kept waiting. All right, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Los Angeles. CNN Radio correspondent and living God, Jim Roop. Hello, sir. Hey,
14: man, did I throw a monkey wrench into things?
1: Am I early? That's nah, okay. Don't worry about it. There is a You know, here's the thing. You're not early. It's that uh, we are... Doesn't matter. We're here for four hours. You're late for <laughs> yesterday. Yeah, I was gonna say. I was trying to come up with some clever way to do it. <laughs> See, we're here all day. Doesn't matter. We're not going anywhere. Um, not that we know of. Uh, a couple of things. Well, first of all, I was gonna ask you about this. Uh, this this J C. First of all, I didn't even know J C. Penny still existed.
4: Yes, we have
1: one here. Um. It, so this has got where is the J C. Ha-
14: and they have hair salons in them, apparently.
1: Where? Is... Who gets their hair done at J C. Penny? Where is the J C. Penny's here? Tim? Beaverton. Really? Yeah. Well, that makes sense, I guess. Um. Oh. Because I thought they slowly turned into something else. I thought they were being purchased by someone like Macy's, Pratt, Meyer and Frank or something. No, not them. When I was growing up, there was a thing called the Bon Marche. That was a store uh, in Kennewick. Kennewick. And then J.C. Penney bought the Bon Marche, and then the Bon went away. Uh, but so now they have J.C. Penney. Is there an actual J.C. Penney, like an actual, like how there's a Mrs. Fields cookies?
14: I think there was.
1: Like Jacques-Claude J- 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 Penney or something? <laughs> something like um, that, yes. Anyway, so uh, Tim, I'm gonna fill in. I'm gonna read you this story, Tim. You fill in the blank. Attorney blank files suit on behalf of a California woman who claims that J.C. Penney stylist told her we don't do African-American hair. Who is the attorney? Johnny Cochran. No, Johnny Cochran's dead. Oh, that's right. I keep forgetting he's dead. He's representing. He's representing Satan now. He's uh, uh, no, attorney blank. Who is a a shrill, unlikable at- attorney, Tim?
14: I will oh. always represent women. Oh, Marsha!
1: Marsha, what's her name? No, you're just oh, you're hung up on OJ. Mar- it's not Marsha Clark. Marsha, what is Marsha Clark doing today, Jim Roop? I mean, not today, but in general, where is she? Uh,
14: you know, I went to a Wendy's drive-through the other day, and I'm thinking, hey, you look familiar, lady.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Was she uh, obsessing about her hair and uh, yelling at Chris Darden in the back? <laughs> Hurry up with those fries, you bastard! <laughs> Have <laughs> him try on the glove, son of a bitch, Gloria Aldred. Ah, uh, yes, Gloria Aldred. Uh, Gloria Allred filed, uh, filed suit on behalf of Gloria, a California woman who claims Penney style her We don't do African-American hair. Um, so it's just, I, uh, we now, just...
14: On behalf of JC Penney because I did talk to them. Yeah. And th- first of all, they sent an apology letter to this lady who uh, then got Gloria Allred involved. And when Gloria Allred read the part in that letter, uh, the receptionist may have... Uh, I forgot the exact verbiage, but it was like the receptionist may have thought she didn't have the technical uh, proficiency to provide the service requested. Gloria Allred said, that's an admission.
1: (laughs) I like Gloria Allred, there's no – there is no – First or second gear for her, it is always overdrive.
14: Well, first of all, an apology is an omission. I mean, ad- ad- admission. You, you, you admit. Otherwise, you wouldn't be apologizing if you didn't admit some right, sort of right. wrong there. Uh, but they also said, "Look, we we're not racist. We're not uh, discriminatory. We 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 want to help you out here." Uh, I don't know what nationality or ethnic background. Is of this employee who maybe didn't understand or right. didn't use the proper words. I don't know. This is in Downey, heavily Hispanic area. Um, I also don't know because the guy in JC Penney said we're investigating discrepancies between the plaintiff's account of the situation and the employee's account of the situation. So the storytelling is different. Just,
1: is there like some sort of a? I mean, here's a dumb question. How do you even find Gloria already? I mean, do you just pick up the phone and call the law office? Is there like a bat signal you, can, you put up? You, or? Can
14: just, you can Google her, and her office number comes up.
1: She needs a good Googling, let me tell you right now.
14: Like, no, I just,
1: think you and I both know that if she got a good Googling oh, now man, and again. I, I
14: sat across from her yesterday. It looks like she's been Googled one too many times. <laughs> <laughs> By the wrong Googling.
1: I mean, I mean, well, just Google, who'd like a little attention right now? <laughs> <laughs> when. Well done, Tim Riley. I really am just your sidekick, Tim. I mean, we let, let me all know that's true. Jesus.
14: But you know what? It, it is an interesting lawsuit in that the woman did. She she said uh, she felt a little humiliated. She you know she didn't want a permanent or she didn't want any sort of style. She right. just wanted the the gray around her temples dyed her natural color. Right. And, and to Gloria, glory. Gloria it's right. You don't need any sort of special equipment or special technique to dye hair. Right. Anybody's hair. You just
1: Throw the stuff uh, on there. Uh, I had something. What else was I going to... Oh, uh, so did we ever find clarification on the McCain thing yesterday, Tim, about whether he's going to be at his at his actual, uh, you know, the election night party in Arizona or not? But we, there's a good chance he may not because there's not enough room for him. So this is... That's what they said yesterday. Yeah, this was the story yesterday.
14: Wouldn't he be the guy that is assured of a space?
1: <laughs> you think that they... I mean, look, you would think There'd that they be would... negligence. They'd hold a parking space for him. You know, this is... Like I I've told this story we had this uh, awful terrible uh, abysmal uh, listener event we did many many years ago at a place that we won't discuss cuz we don't even like to talk about it but we had this terrible terrible listener party uh and it was not it was just terrible because the people the place where we did it didn't know how to handle it and logistics were wrong anyway the the microcosm of the whole night was that there was a line of people outside who couldn't get in and it was like 30 degrees and they were all in halloween costumes and so I felt really bad. And so I went outside to sort of talk to the people in line. They're like, hey, we're going to get you in as soon as possible. Thanks for sticking around. I know it's cold. We're getting people in as soon as we can. Thanks for coming out. And then I got to go back in. And like the, the guy at the door won't let me back in. And he's like, no, sorry, sir. And I'm like, no, I need to go back in. I'm kind of hosting. He's like, sorry, sir, you can't come in. No more no more room. And I'm like, and this is the only time in my life I've ever said this. I actually, the thing I go, do you know who I am? which I really meant, and I literally looked up at the marquee where it's like Rick Emerson, listen, I'm like, that's me, like holding up the badge, like, that's me, I, I'm that guy, He's like, sorry, I do what I'm told, I'm like, uh, okay, so maybe, who knows, maybe with McCain, what they've, uh... happened, did you eventually get in? I did eventually, I mean, and then, you know, I mean, it's just a whole, it was just one, one disaster after another, but yeah, they did, I, I had to get the manager, this weird looking woman with corkscrew red hair had to come out and... Uh, and had to tell the guy to love him again. It was just a, just a big yeah, disaster. here she
14: became the governor of Alaska.
1: There you go. So the story we had yesterday was that McCain might, they were saying he might make a brief appearance or perhaps something like via closed-circuit television, but that there was a chance that due to space constraints, he would not be appearing. So I couldn't find a, a, any other story that referenced that, but we are sort of on the trail of it. Was it was on Yahoo, yes. It was on Yahoo News, because like, yeah, you're going to be there. so.
14: Yeah, I'm uh, going to be there. That would be terrible if that were true.
1: I'm just saying. I
14: means he's conceding now.
1: It means he's conceding now, or that someone who makes those decisions realizes that there might be a real, um, you know, there might be a real uh, Muskie crying in front of everybody moment uh, if they let him near a camera. There might be a Richard Nixon going nuts uh, in California gubernatorial, you know, in his concession after that. So. Well,
14: there would be nothing wrong with that. That would be kind of cleansing, I would think, for him if he gave a good cry. After the election's over, I mean, Lord knows he probably needs it. I think Obama needs it too. They need a cry and a nap. what so they both need.
1: We all need a catharsis.
14: And maybe a slap in the head.
1: Yeah. Know, from, for, from all of us. All right, you're in demand. I will let you go, sir. Have a good I don't weekend. Oh uh, well, thank you. well, I appreciate it. Tim, did you then, then? Real quick, Tim, did you find? Okay, I also found it at uh, sfgate. dot com. San Francisco. Yeah. yeah. So I guess they have the. I guess they have the story. So you might look into that. It says here, the headline is, McCain might skip his own election night party. (laughs)
14: Because like I told you yesterday, I received an email from his campaign saying that there will be a closed circuit feed of McCain's speech in the overflow press room for those who... Are not credentials for the main. You know,
1: dude, I received an email from the from the McCain campaign telling me that they were going to win and they were like ten points ahead. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Ed, hey, uh, enough said. I, I was gonna you just did that, uh, you just did let the bio, caveat enter with those. I'll All right. Uh, okay, I have an update here. Jim has an update. Uh, Republican John McCain is not going to make his election night remarks in the traditional style at a podium standing in front of a sea of campaign workers jammed into a hotel ballroom, but the Republican presidential nominee plans to address another group of supporters and a small group of reporters. On the hotel lawn, his remarks will be simultaneously piped electronically to the party inside. So he'll be out on the lawn, not Ian speaking to the whole crowd. Only a small press pool, mostly those who have traveled with the campaign on his campaign plane, plus a few local Arizona reporters and other guests, will be physically present when McCain speaks. Well, yeah.
14: What the hell am I going for? I, I was going to say are you part one of those
1: as you uh, Jim Jim Roof? Are you going to be one of the lucky few because otherwise you'll be inside watching him on television. You could do that at home and be drunk.
14: I, w- I assumed I was.
1: Well, I, uh,
14: uh, I we'll see. Oh, they're
1: charging news organizations $935 per person for a spot in its press filing center as opposed to a $695 per person at the McCain gathering. So, this appears to be a way to uh this appears to be a way to allay some of that campaign debt like now. Jesus. All right.
14: Uh, I'm going to have to talk to the old network about this. Well, yeah, you l- let us know because... Don't, uh, don't make them force
1: you to pay nine hundred thirty, you know, to say, you know, make the trip if you're uh, just going to have to sit there and do something you could I'm do in your socks. Pickle, I can tell you that. Right? There you go. That's what I'm talking about. I suppose about. if you use American Express. I, guess I mean, suppose. Yeah. And or, you know, or just say, like, don't, you know, don't you know who I am? And then, you know, and then pound <laughs> your fist really angrily. Claim that you're Abe Froman, the sausage king of Chicago. <laughs> That'll get you a seat. <laughs>
14: Ah, nice reference.
1: All right. Uh, have a good weekend, sir. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, sir. There you go, Jim Roop. All right. Well, uh, it'll be terrible. Hmm. I mean, but I mean, what is the point of that? If McCain's going to be speaking on the lawn, and all these reporters are going to be sitting inside watching it on closed circuit TV, why not just stay at home in your boxer shorts and watch it on television there and file he the story anywhere, anywhere in front of a green screen? Right. actually. So, all right. <laughs> on that note, uh, hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Did you just hit the phone with something. No, I'm like Obama sorry. sneezing on that guy. Senator Obama, um, what are you talking about? Yeah, what do you got?
12: Um, you were talking about registration for uh, or sign in for the uh, your ballot. Yes, sir. When you register, your signature is on file. In fact, I went down and verified mine because they tried to tell me it wasn't there, and sure enough, it was there. So they have all your signatures on. Top. Oh
1: yeah, when you register to vote, you sign. Yeah. And that's what they can do. That's why to. when
12: you sign your envelope. That's the first thing they do is run those through those comparisons. Mm. Make all sure right. they registered.
1: Alright, that makes sense. Alright, thank you, sir.
12: And you were talking about uh, hidden finds. I was working on this house in, uh, out in Beaver Creek and we were tearing out the walls and there was a, the entire copy of a newspaper from 1945 the, uh, called The Elevator put out by the high school. So I took it down and donated it to the high school. A
1: high school paper from 1945. That's pretty fascinating.
12: Had a bunch of the advertisements, like the Dairy Queen is still there. One of the lumber mills is still there. You know, so it's kind of cool to see the advertisements. Wow. These are still in business.
1: Cool. All right. Thank you, brother.
12: Hey, you, buddy. All right.
1: There you go. All right. Fantastic. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Speaking of which, i am got to vote one of these days. I'm my never. Except for this Muhammad guy. I have no idea who I'm voting for. Let's What's see. Yeah. Let's read one of these at random. All right. State Measure 65. Changes general election nomination processes for major, minor, party, independent candidates for most partisan offices. This is why people don't vote. It's dull and confusing. A yes vote will change general election nomination processes for most partisan offices. All candidates run in single primary. Top two primary candidates compete. Would this remove the, 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 the um, so you don't have to vote the straight ticket? Is that the thing? Yeah. Would this make it so you could vote for any... So you could mix and match your votes in a primary? Mm Mm-hmm. So you're just saying yes. You're not even listening, are you? (laughs) (laughs) Huh? Okay. I'm glad I wasn't asking you anything important. Tim, which which wire do I cut to defuse this bomb? The pink one? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. All right. A no vote retains the current party primary election system, retains procedures for the nomination of minor political... So I think that this is... It would explain it in your handy book. Uh, do I have that? I think so. Somewhere. Oh, it's right here. I think this is the deal that allows you to vote for anybody in the primary so you don't have to vote the straight like Republican ticket or whatever. Um, yeah, I don't really know. Okay. Well, you know what? It doesn't matter. I'm going to have the audience vote on how I fill this out anyway. So, And then there's something about children, which I almost certainly don't care about. All right. Uh, here's Tim Riley. Children can never get enough money. Have you noticed that every time you give money to children, they're back again. I, the they, children they need some more. They manage their funds very poorly, I mm-hmm. would say. And by the way, I, I mean, the, 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 you know, I will say this: though, I believe they're one of our proud sponsors and advertisers, the Chicken. Oregon, or no, uh, the Oregon State mm-hmm. Lottery. But I mean. Isn't that the lottery money supposed to be going to the school? Isn't that supposed to be paying everything? I yeah. thought it was all, like, yeah, funding for schools or whatever. Because I think they, they, they got some jazz here where they want to jack my property taxes up again. Let's see. Hold on. Okay. There's a property tax thing here. <laughs> Did you see that there's a little uh, property tax thing in one of these old papers from 68? No. Which is It's about, like, a, some accountant who will help you with that. Is property taxes too high? And it was like, you know, John Smith paid a property tax of $5. Uh, let's see. Here we go. City of Portland. Um This is the question on the ballot. Shall Portland continue supporting childhood, or I'm sorry, child abuse prevention, foster children, early childhood, and after school programs? Uh, This measure may cause property taxes to increase by more than three percent. No, no, no. Why do you hate children, Tim? I hate high property taxes. All right. And I already pay for children. Part of my property taxes go to children already. You know what that is, Tim? Socialism. Uh, We've got here, and there's the other one. Here's Measure 62. A men's constitution allocates 15% of lottery proceeds to public safety fund for crime prevention and prosecution. So, here's a dumb question. Where does the lottery money go now? Now, they say that part of it goes to the schools. Yeah. But, like, where does the rest of that go? Because the lottery is not a private organization, right? That's a state. That is correct, yes. So, where does that money go? I I mean... I don't know. I'm... All right, well, whatever. All right, uh, don't forget we've got uh, two pair of tickets to against me and Ted Leo and the pharmacist. And Richie, Richie, God bless him, has been nagging me for like three days to give these away. We haven't. Now, the show's tomorrow, so we've got to give those away today. So we have one pair of tickets? we got two pair. Two pair? And the show's tomorrow, so we've got to get them out. It's, a, it's a, a rock and roll uh, extravaganza. It's like, punk, like
2: folk punk rock. Oh, punk rock. Yeah. It's, it's a really interesting movie. I don't know
1: okay. either. Uh, but the show's tomorrow, so people got to pick those up today before close of business, so we got to get those done. I got to get those given away. How will we be doing that, Sarah? Trivia?
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm looking up questions right now. I just don't I, I don't know like specifically what to ask, because I can ask you know, like like discography and whatnot, but I'm going to find something nothing. kind of clever.
1: All right. Here's Tim Riley. How about who assumed the Kennedy family leadership in 1968? I saw that. You know.
2: I know, so I won't ruin it. All it's right.
1: Ted Kennedy. You don't win anything, though. Scott McClellan is now telling America. Don't forget, Scott McClellan was the guy who lied to us every day during the Iraq war. Yes, he did. And then wrote a book saying, well, I lied. What are you going to do about it? So now he's declaring that uh, he's voting for Barack Obama.
5: From the very beginning, I've said I'm going to support the candidate that has the best chance of changing the way Washington works and getting things done. Uh, I will be voting for Barack Obama. So. <laughs>
1: Keep that laughing, W. Where, I was just going to say, where is he speaking? Where was that at? Uh, let's see. He made the announcement during a taping of a program, which CNN is set to air this weekend. Oh, it was DL Hughley's program. That's that is. Uh, remember, Castanov. Oh yeah, DL. The uh, show entitled DL Hughley breaks. Breaks the news because mm-hmm. um, he has the office next to Steve Castanov. Steve Castanov said that the Hughleys right next door working on the show, so that airs this weekend. Apparently, it's like a Letterman. It's more of like more of like a late night Letterman Leno thing. Uh As opposed to like a Daily Show thing, so I like Daniel Hughley, I really do. I um, I, I you know, well, whatever. All right, here's Tim. John McCain's brother may be making waves again in battleground Virginia. It appears Joe McCain called 911 this week to complain about being stuck on traffic, according to a recently released 911 tape.
5: I was into 911 emergency. Well, it's not an My
1: emergency, brother's you know having his ass handed to him. Any help?
5: One side at, at the drawbridge on 95, traffic was stopped for 15 minutes, and yet traffic's coming the other way across the drawbridge. Are, are you calling 911 to complain about traffic?
1: <laughs> yeah, tonight one when, uh, when operator returned the phone call and got this voicemail. Hi, this
11: is Phil McLeod. I'm supposed to be well involved in a very important family political
1: project. John McCain's brother called 911 to complain that traffic was slow. Yes. Uh, so then he calls nine one one back to complain about a message left by the nine one one operator. Somebody gave me this
4: riot act about effort. Violates the police. Did you just call nine one one after that? Yes. See the nine one used for emergencies only, not not for just you're sitting in traffic.
1: DC residents react to Joe McCain's nine one one call.
10: is horrible. <laughs> I can't believe that somebody would tie up valuable resources to complain about traffic.
1: It seems stupid. My
13: name can be found. I'm going to be tagged to this. I'm going to host my brother. Why would I do it? Because
1: you're not that bright. That would be my guess. Uh, I'm tired of people named Joe. Joe Biden, Joe Lieberman, Joe the Plumber, Joe McCain. Joe Joe the the Plumber is mulling a run for Congress he consider running for Congress in 2010, challenging longtime Representative Marcy Kepter in the Toledo area. Well, look. It's going to be a heck of a fight, said Joe the Plumber. Well, look, I mean, if this was 10 years ago, Joe the Plumber wouldn't be the big debate. They would have already given him a radio talk show,
3: right? Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: he's the Cato Kaelin of this election. Mm-hmm. Joe the Plumber, they, by the way, uh, I created that phrase, but you can use it. Uh, Joe the Plumber is the Cato Kalin of the 2008 presidential election. Remember when Cato Kalin got that talk show?
7: Yeah, that C- was at uh, one. yeah.
1: Yeah. Um Uh, So, anyway, Joe the Plumber, blah, blah, blah. Here's the frustrating thing about this election cycle. Here is uh, Emerson's lament. Is that it's not that there isn't great stuff happening. It's that there is so much great stuff happening. Don't you feel like we're not able to stop and smell the roses? By which I mean something like John McCain's brother calling, who is an adult, a grown man. John McCain's brother calling 911 to complain that traffic is too slow. I wish we had two or three days to talk about that. Or that John McCain saying the c-word live on television, over and three over, three times. Yeah. I, would, I, mean, I the, the, any other year we would have like a week to play that. Uh, Joe Biden saying that retarded thing about like the, the, there's gonna be terrorists or whatever. There will be an incident. he will be challenged. It's all gonna go bad. If Barack's Barack, or that thing of Biden saying that, um, the, talking about FDR speaking to the nation on television during the depression. We have no time to really savor any of these things because it's immediately replaced by, you know, something else. So it's like Sarah Palin buying 150 grand uh, worth of clothes that she wears for one day and then returns is then immediately replaced by Joe the plumber running for Congress. There's just no time to really, you know, to to wring all of the the amusement out of these stories before it's immediately replaced by some different story. What can I do? Here's Tim Riley. Ronnie Howard has decided to reprise his childhood role as Opie and in Richie Cunningham and an Obama video put out by FunOrDie.com. That's uh, Judd Apatow's online comedy play. Oh. When I'm a grown up, I sure would like to vote for somebody as good as Mr. Obama. Well, if you stay healthy and strong, avoid any felonies,
4: stay away from the butterfly ballad, I bet
14: you'll get a chance.
1: Ah, oh, gee, Fon's. I sure hope our country gets itself back on track. But see, now we can make it right, right? Sure, Fonds. That's oh, pretty bad. I may just be a simple interstellar chicken, but I never mind. Okay. It was a meeting of Republican minds, Saturday Night Live style on SNL's Thursday Night Weekend Update special. When you
4: think of John McCain, think of me, George W. Bush. Think of this face. <laughs>
3: vote for John McCain is a vote for George W. Bush. Is that so that's uh that is
1: Will Farrell as George Bush talking about John McCain. All right. Uh, okay so here somebody not that I even really care, but somebody is clarifying Measure sixty five. It is what I thought. He says simply put it would abolish uh well this is this guy saying this, but what it would basically do is um it, it would allow you to vote for whoever in the primaries as opposed to, you know, because I think now you have to vote like the straight Democrat or Republican or whatever your ticket is. Um, So it's just whoever the top two vote-getters in the primaries were would face off head-to-head in the general election, meaning it could be two Democrats or it could be two Republicans. Uh, And he says... um, uh, he says the majority of, the, uh, voters would send the major, uh, the main party candidates to the top of the primary election and they would go head to head. Basically, it's another way to shove third party and independent out of the general election. First of all, third party and independent uh, candidates don't need any help. They don't need to be additionally shoved out of the election. Uh, they shove themselves out of the election by being crazy most of the time. That's, that's really just the case. So, I don't really know that they need any uh, additional assistance in being marginalized. That's something they can handle all on their own lonesome. Anyway, well, I'm all for this. You should be able to, you know what, whoever gets the top two in the primary, really, and I don't care if it's two guys from the same party. I don't care if it's, I don't care if it's from, I don't care if it's from a guy from the swindling party. doesn't matter. Uh, I I really just, I resent restrictions on who you can vote for in the primary or, in, I mean, in any way. You should be able to vote for whoever you want. doesn't matter to me. So, seriously, it's either a democracy or it's not. Here's Tim Riley. Because everyone was worried, Janet Jackson is speaking out about her recent illness. In this video, she had some nice words for her fans. I
0: want to thank you for all your messages and all your love and support when I wasn't feeling very well.
1: She sounds so much better.
0: better. <laughs> Once again, thank you for the
1: support, and I love, love you very much. She thank had migraine-related vertigo. Uh, her show at Madison Square Garden was rescheduled for November 1st. New dates for the other Miss shows are expected to be announced later. Who cares if her show was canceled? Halloween without candy sounds more like a trick without a treat. But more and more parents are looking for ways to switch the sweets for healthy eats this Halloween. Cleveland Clinic Dietitian Laura Jeffers says it's not he- it's not hard to go healthy on Halloween.
2: Healthy treats may include popcorn balls, licorice that are low in fat but that you know they just have some calories, um gummy treats, chocolate or yogurt covered raisins, mm-hmm. and any sort of dried fruit.
1: Yeah, kids love dried fruit for Halloween. You give your kids dried fruit for Halloween, they're gonna come up behind you and shoot you in the back of the head while you're watching TV. Someday, you mark my words. Throw a fruit cake in a bag. Telling you right now, police are gonna find your body in 15 different garbage bags spread throughout the county. You give your kids toothbrushes and dried fruit for Halloween. Don't be a, don't be a jackass. Oh, candy could be offered as a reward for eating a good healthy meal.
2: You want to make sure you're allowing it, so you're not saying no, you can't have it. um... So definitely, um, also making sure that you've given them something to eat uh, other than this treat. So if they're hungry, give them a healthy snack and then allowing the treat, so then they're not wanting more one after another.
1: This woman sounds like a joyless buzzkill. She really does. I mm-hmm. mean, really, th- th- just th- th- everybody just needs to loosen up in this country. That reminds me, by the way, I have this list. Oh, we have to break. Damn, it's 1:30. Oh yes, my God, I didn't
7: well,
1: Jumping Jehoshaphat. We spent most of the most of the show reading a newspaper <laughs> that's, what, <laughs> that's the way to attend share Tim Jesus. everybody it, and everybody's worked in a city where that station existed, and it was the talk station and today I will be reading from page b seven of the Picayune if you would like to uh, read along at home um uh, I encourage you to do so. I used to work... Where did Tim go? Oh, he went to get his bike and hikes up. All right.
2: This, the title of this little blurb right here is called Saving Fingernails.
1: Do they need saving... First of all, that newspaper is huge. Look how, look how wide is that newspaper... Huge. Have you seen how big that newspaper is, Tim? Yeah, it's a broadsheet. They all used to be like that. Wow. Until a few um, years ago. Did, but have you, have you ever worked in like a small market where there was some radio station where a guy would just read books? Uh-huh. I used to work at a, uh, a, in, in the market with a station. And it was our Crosstown alleged competitor. Um, But it was some of the worst. Literally, they would have some guy who would come on, and he would just read books. He would just say – I remember tuning in. It wasn't like he was doing some cool thing of reading like one chapter a day or something, so it was like a serial. He would just just come on, and he would just pick a random chapter out of a random book and then read it. I remember one time tuning in, and he was reading a biography of Abraham Lincoln – and he just said, so uh, as you uh, may or may not know, I like to read and right now I've uh, I'm reading this book called um Steps Into Freedom, which is a biography of um Abraham Lincoln Mark, uh, the um you know, the president during the Civil War, and so today we're just gonna read um well, we'll start with chapter um seventeen. So um it says here, um the electoral system and um in 1864, was much different than the electoral system today. And when Abraham Lincoln... And you're sitting out there listening to it, and it almost became sort of fascinating after a while. Like, how long is this guy going to sit and read a random chapter out of a history book on this commercial radio station? Um, Just one more note about that, too. I don't even know if the show is still... Does Jordan, Gordon and Liddy even still have a show? Is that show even on the air anymore? Oh, it's probably some, you know, third-tier talk show station probably. Or on, or on satellite or something? Yeah. I, mean, I like don't the think the Freedom Satellite Network. I mean, I don't, think, I don't think it was able, I don't think he would, they were able to continue with that show. I don't think it was making any money on regular radio. I think they had, like, satellite radio has sort of become, satellite radio has become sort of the public access of the radio world. It's like if you can't make any money with your radio program. It's a dumping ground for garbage. Exactly. Put it on satellite where they don't expect to ever make any money anyway. Don't miss my show on Channel 168C. <laughs> Write so, it down. Sundays between 4.30 a.m. and 5.02 a.m. Um, but G. Gordon-Liddy used to have this whole hour where he would just read newspaper articles. And it was G. Gordon-Liddy's hour of news and comment and review. And he, and he would, you know, he'd, we start as is our want with the Washington Times. And he would just sit and he would read newspaper articles for an hour. And he would sit there and become strangely transfixed by it. Like it was almost putting you into some sort of a low-grade hypnotic state. It was, in a weird way... Like having a really shrill nasal version of one of those little waterfalls in your bedroom that makes a little trickling sound. All right. Let's so take a break. We come back after this. Um, we will talk about 10 most disappointing treats for Halloween. And we will give away a pair of tickets to see Against Me and Ted Leo and the Pharmacist uh, tomorrow night. Stay there. The Rick Emerson Show continues with Tim Riley next.
7: You're
8: The price you.
1: I'm an anarchist and you're a spineless liberal wonderful good for him that is the uh, toe tapping sound of against me is it not Sarah
2: it sure is
1: Actually, wonderful this is indeed right, so we're going to be giving away a a pair of ticks as they say to see uh, against me and Ted Leo and the pharmacist tomorrow night at the Roseland yes yes all right. Uh, so Richie, here's how we we'll, here's how we're gonna roll on this. Uh, we are gonna uh, put this trivia question out there.
2: I hope the questions are good. I actually worked hard on them. I'm like,
1: ugh. No, no, good for you. It's uh, these these are you know, this I would not have known what to ask. So uh, we'll take call number five on this, and if you um, if you you know if comment does doesn't get it, we'll just kind of go through each question, you know, each call after that till we get the correct answer. Uh, here's the question. During the last, this is for a pair of tickets. See against me and Ted Leo and the Pharmacist tomorrow night. During the last election, a group of musicians banded together to make a compilation called Rock Against Bush, Volume 1. What was the title of the song, Against Me, contributed to that album? Again, during the last election, a group of musicians banded together to make a compilation of Rock Against Bush, Volume 1, which didn't really help in the grand scheme of things. it
2: was a really good, like, at least, you know. My wife?
1: Purpose. There's actually, yeah, my That's wife actually has, uh, has both of them, yeah. Um, As do I. What was the title of the song that Against Me contributed to the album Rock Against Bush, Volume 1? We'll take caller 5. And if uh, you'll know it, uh, great. If not, we'll uh, kind of c- go through the calls till we will get the, somebody with the correct answer. Uh, if you're correct, you'll get a pair of tickets to see uh, Against Me. and Ted Leo and the Pharmacist tomorrow night, Saturday night. At and the what Road sucks
2: Run. is I want to play. I want to play this song that they did contribute, but you know, Against Me is just so rife with profanity. That I, profanity. Can't, I can't play. That's why I had to pop that one down because I right. can't believe
1: we got through like a minute without having any no profanity. I, uh, you and I were talking about that band Off with Their Heads, mm-hmm. uh, who are great, who I'd never heard of until the other day. And I had that CD going at home and that song called Eff It, I'm Out, mm-hmm. and, which is a great song. And I was like, oh, we should play this. And I'm going to have to sit and spend like 10 minutes going through it. we line by line and bleeping everything. So yeah, those guys are really good. I'd never heard of them. I uh,
2: saw them actually play uh, a basement show in Northeast Portland, like about um, like a year, year and a half ago. It was pretty neat too, because I I'd, I'd heard of them and
1: um, You're way cooler and was, than I am. It was kind of cool. I was, uh, but I the the new Wednesday 13 came out uh, Tuesday this week, came out three days ago, and so I went in to pick up. Went, went, went right, walked right into the store to proudly purchase my new Wednesday 13 CD slash DVD for one low price of thirteen ninety nine. And I'm standing there, and the guys ring it up, and there's the music playing, and I go, "This is really cool. What's this?" And because the, the vocal, and it sounds kind of weird, but the vocals on that off with their heads stuff, I told the guy, I said, who is this? And he goes, it's off with their heads. And I said, this sounds like a weird, stripped down demo version of like an Andrew W. K. song. Like the vocal style is very similar, but like very, very raw. And he goes, he goes, yeah, but it's like more punk and not nearly as positive. And I said, that's cool. Who is it? And He goes, off with their heads. You. And the guy, it was that great thing, though, where the guy at the record store, he did the high fidelity thing because I said, hey, you know, you got that new Wednesday 13. He's like, hey, here you go. And I'm like, okay. And it's playing. We have the whole conversation. I go, what's this? And he goes, it's off with their heads. And I said, oh, it's interesting. And he, he actually goes, he goes, no, it's like the best thing I've heard all month. You got to buy it. He's like, you, it's like, I never do this. I never push my own records on people. I never order people to buy anything. It's like, if you have the money, dude, you got to buy this CD. And I, I stopped, you know, and he was like so passionate about it. And I could tell him he wasn't just doing it to upsell me. The guy was clearly such a fan of the band, and he sold it with such just vigor and conviction. He's like, you got to buy it if you have the money, dude. If you have $10. And I just said, F it. Let's do it. And uh, so I bought it, and I listened to it on the way home, and it's uh, pretty fantastic.
2: Awesome. Good. I'm glad you like it.
1: All right. Let's do this. Uh, Richie, where am I going with this? Where am I? uh, What what line am I picking up here? I'm not even really sure if Richie's in there. Richie, are you in there? Richie, can you hear me? (laughs) Richie, okay. Thank you uh hello caller five how are you today i'm good all right sir uh are you interested in a pair of tickets to see against me and ted leo and the pharmacist tomorrow night at the roseland
7: right.
1: all right what is the answer to this uh, question what was the title of the song that against me contributed to the first compilation of rock against bush uh, rock against bush volume one
12: you're gonna think i suck because i have no clue
1: well yes yes we do think that we think Very less sense. of you as a person and uh, we think less of you personally as well. And, in fact, I am thinking awful uh, thoughts about your mother right now. Wait. Ooh, ooh and you your later. sister. All right, thank you. Later. All right. Uh, Richie, I'm just going to hit the next button. Uh, we'll go through the. Hi, Rick Emerson Show. Uh, do you know the answer to today's rock and roll trivia question? Is this me? Yes, it is, sir.
13: Uh, think Florida
2: Sink? Sarah? Yes, indeed it is.
1: All right, my friend. You're going to go see Against Me and Ted Leo and the Pharmacist. Uh, tomorrow night at the Roseland I'm going to put you back on hold Rich you'll get your contact information uh, Information and congratulations thank you for listening ok ok there you go <laughs> he's so enthusiastic he's going to scalp those <laughs> alright it's 503-733-2970 this is Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth and now, now. now from the Ministry of Truth this is Tim Riley so I'm just reading in this paper this Father's Day of Sale from June 6, 1968 and uh, some of the gifts for dad a book the Art of Wife Management. Yeah. No, I mentioned that earlier. I'm not really sure what that book is. I, in 1968, was, there was no irony there. Mm-hmm. So I don't think when they have a book for men called The Art of Wife Management, mm-hmm. I don't think that's like how when they books They have books with titles like that now, but it's done in sort of snarky, like a tongue-in-cheek fashion. Like mm-hmm. there's that The Care and Feeding of Husbands or like... Uh, you know, because everything now is about the punchy title. Like Ann Coulter has that, you know, like, uh, you know, if liberals had any brains, they'd be they'd be conservatives. It's, I think the title of Ann Coulter's last book. And Michael Moore had stupid white men. I don't think they were writing book titles with that kind of irony in mind then. I think hmm. when they were selling a book called The Art of Wife Management, that was probably a very serious book for men on how to control your woman. A modern ma- marriage maintenance manual. I'm Something a... every dad would want. I checked I checked on Paul's for it. They I'm going to look it. right now in Google the art of wife management. I couldn't find it. Maybe uh, you'll have better luck than I do. Maybe. Uh, art of wife management. Uh, don't forget, later on, Aaron Duran will be here. We'll do an exit poll. Ten most disappointing uh, treats for trick-or-treaters. And then we have, I guess, Chris Paddock hooked me up with a pro-Obama song that's apparently terrible. And then I got a pro-McCain song uh, that is uh, that is also terrible. Let's see. And then, uh, well, I wonder if I should say this. Well, someone... S- someone sent me uh, this. I have now the official. Well, I guess I could say at least afforded this to me from CNN. This is the official uh, police statement, Tim, okay. on that attack that didn't happen. This is Ashley Todd. Um, from Texas. Ashley Todd of Texas. This is the. I guess she's a McCain campaign worker? Or was she. What, what What was her position, Tim? First, it was claimed she was a McCain campaign worker, but they never verified that. Uh, but anyway, she claim she was beaten and then violated in some horrific fashion, and then that she had a big B carved on her face, Mm -hmm. and I guess she's now copped to the fact that she's made it up. So I now got the official... This is the official press release. I'm not making this up. This is from the Office of the Chief of Police for Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's see. Ashley Todd was asked to return to the Pittsburgh Bureau of Police to be re-interviewed and to do a composite sketch. During the subsequent interview with detectives, Ms. Todd... Stated that, quote, she just wanted to tell the truth, end quote. At that time, Ms. Todd stated that she made up the story, which snowballed and got out of control. Ms. Todd stated that she was robbed and that there is no six foot four black male attacker. She indicated that she has prior mental problems and she does not remember how the backward B got on her face. Here's the money line. She stated that she thinks she may have done it herself. Because she was the only one in the car. When she looked in the rearview mirror and saw the bee on her face, she said she thought of Barack. Once she told her friend the story and once the police were called, she had to stick with it. Ashley Todd will be arrested and charged with filing a false police report. Uh, so there you go. Have
2: you seen this genius thing on YouTubes where... um? She's giving advice on how to make your own proper voter registration um, sign. Is this
1: real? Is this her?
2: It's her. No, it's just – it's her, and she's holding up the camera, and the best part is you can see her recording herself. She doesn't – it's no profanity or anything. It's her with a bunch of markers and cardboard, like, construction paper talking about how to make – clean campaign signs and she sounds insane crazy cat lady you
1: (laughs) You must email that to me so i may post it i will indeed yeah she looks nuts i'm looking at that right now.
2: she's like and you can get your own crayola markers and here's my little tape guy right here and talking about how easy her tape is to use
1: i am guessing that she has uh like an online chat avatar that she spent a lot of time customizing and her online chat avatar is really really skinny and has pink earrings and uh where is wearing something dazzling Mm -hmm. that'd be my guess so just uh Just to recap here, so this nutcase woman with a history of mental problems who made up this thing about, um, you know, the ubiquitous unidentified black male, that's a little Susan Smith right there, Um, said she indicated she has prior mental problems. She thinks she may have done it herself because she was the only one in the car. Ashley Todd will be arrested and charged with filing a false police report. All right. There you go. So Officer Diane Richard with the Pittsburgh Police Department said they noticed inconsistencies in her story. At
6: one point she indicated that she had gave him $60 out of her pocket. And in subsequent interviews with Jeez. our investigators, she, she never mentioned giving him the money or stepping away from him. She indicated he took the money from her pocket after he accosted her.
1: Assistant Police Chief Marita Bryant said that quick work by her department could have prevented the case from turning ugly in a hurry. It
0: could have really blown up into something,
1: uh,
0: a national incident. And, and I'm glad that we quickly
1: um, resolved the case and, came, and found the truth. Well, i got to tell you, first of all, the McCain campaign should be, just speaking strategy-wise, the McCain campaign should be really, really glad Yes. Uh, for that phenomenon we were just talking about 15 minutes ago where there's no time to focus on one story for more than a day because it's always replaced by some fresh insanity. Again, like, we can't really talk too much about Sarah Palin's clothing because now it's been announced that Joe the Plumber is running for Congress. You know, because why not? So, I mean, look, if Ralph Nader can run for president, Joe the Plumber can run for Congress. and Bob Bob Barr can keep running for things, so can Joe the Plumber. But, so now this story will probably kick kicked off the front page almost immediately because there's going to be something else. Uh, here we go. The, the Art of Wife Management by... Compton Perry, who wrote under the pseudonym, Tim, Mm -hmm. of J.J. Gatewood, male prostitute. But it doesn't, uh, I I guess I can buy it insanely enough, but I can't. I was hoping it would be open source or something at this point so I could read it online. Apparently not. Well, in any event, so uh, there you go. Buy four snow tires, get a copy of the book free. That's what they used to do. Really? Do you know in that old newspaper we've been reading all day from 1968 that they're, look at how prices are weird because it's like $4.72. Like that was before everything was and 99 cents. Then they have a bug keeper and a magnifying glass. A bug keep for the small fry. Mm -hmm. To collect insects with. Yeah. Uh, We've got a double edition of It's the Worst Song You've Ever Heard. Which one do we want to hear first? The pro-Obama song or the pro-McCain song? Pro-McCain. Barack McCain. We like John McCain. All right, hold on a second. Let me uh, let me get both of these queued up, actually. Barack-o! No, that's not it. Hold on. Uh, let's see. Hey, Richie, just f- FYI, I'm looking here and I don't see the um. I don't see the the pro Obama song, Richie. I'm in the RES folder and I don't see what what subfolder I'm supposed to be looking in here. So if you if you if you can look into that, that'd be um, that'd be fantastic. Oh, it's just in the straight folder. All right, okay. Uh, so we have two of these now. Um, the first one, here we go, Obama. All right, this one is by, who is the guy that created this? I don't even have the guy's name, so I, I apologize to the artist, who I'm not really able to identify here. Um, this is something that was sent to me, I don't know, a long time ago, I mean, really in terms of this campaign anyway, and I really get a chance to play it because it was just it, 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 so much, the, the crap just emerged. This is, uh, we'll do two of these. This is the first installment of It's the Worst Song You've Ever Heard, Double Shot Friday. So this is simply called, uh, we'll see how much of this we can make it through, on KCMD Portland. This is just called The Republican Song. It's the Worst Song You've Ever Heard, Part One, on the Rick Emerson radio program. Well, the video starts with him on a tractor, by the way, because he's, you know because he's a, a decent American from the middle from the middle states.
14: The Democrats' secular progressive move Political correctness is killing us, too They want to take the
4: money from a hard-working man And give it to the lazy folks don't give a damn Democrats and liberals came all you No punters dog. No. Just yes, these a few You're
1: holding people back while we're picking up the slack And that's why we can't vote for a Democrat, oh, no I should note that this song is not a joke.
14: When I heard
2: back and then he's like, I'm not going to vote for anybody. who I'm like, uh-oh, what is yeah. he
10: going to say? I'm
1: sure it's a coincidence. Yeah. By the way, I should note, as we listen to this song here. Just let me pause for a second. First of all, the video for this song, and there is a video, starts with him on a tractor. Because, you know, he's a hard-working man. Uh, and not to be confused with an Alabama man. And so he's doing this. there, it, And the, the whole video is him, like, first of all, rocking out on his porch, you know, like uh, playing playing this song as only a really lame white guy can. And, and there is there is the this flag is flapping in the breeze. No, seriously. There are many, many shots of a flag That's what I thought. flapping. But here's the best thing about the video for the song, and it's just called the Republican song. The video the b story in this video is the saga of him recording the song and then releasing the song to the people so there 's a scene of him like writing the song like with a legal pad like scratching away and then there 's a song of him there 's a shot of him recording the song like rocking out you know like shredding and then there's a a shot of him burning the c d of the song. It all leads up to the best scene in the entire video, which is it 's a close up of one hand comes into the frame holding the c d Another hand comes into the frame from the other side and takes the CD like it's being handed off from one person to another. But it's framed in the background by a huge flag filling up the entire background as one hand passes this song to the other.
14: Warm white boat, the terrorists are not fighting for oil. We got plenty of quick drill about the liberals, the media are spreading their lies. Get the hell out of the way and let our culture fight. Democrat and liberals, shame on you Don't punish us all, just to please a few. Now we can't afford to have
10: another attack And that's why we can't vote for a Democrat Oh no, oh no, no,
1: no, 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 oh, no. Oh, no, 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 We're not even halfway through with the song
10: Oh my God, it comes-
1: Well, he's got to a- can't afford to
10: have another attack Oh no, no
1: now, see, we have to have this part here, Sarah, where he lays down some tasty licks.
2: No, don't say don't tasty licks. Oh, good Lord.
1: You know this guy listens to block party weekends all the time. This guy can't wait for that new Eddie Money CD to come out. And I can hear a saxophone buried in there somewhere. That's how you know it's lame.
14: Republicans, were not perfect, but we know the truth. We uphold the Constitution and the golden rule. We believe man's freedom is a God-given right. USA is our beacon to the whole world in sight. Democrats and liberals, shame He's
1: breaking it down. Don't
14: punish us all,
1: just to please a few. No, it's... Our
14: Constitution nation and God are under attack, and that's why we
1: for yeah. Right, I can't take anymore. So there you go. That's uh, It's the Worst Thing You've Ever Heard, uh, Part 1. Apparently, now, I haven't heard the Barack one. Paddock says it's bad, though. Yeah, we. Uh, so let's uh, take a break. We'll come back with It's the Worst song You've Ever Heard, Part 2, which is it's by Bahama... Oh, no, not Bahama Mama. Obama Mama? Does that sound...
2: Yeah, I think it's said Obama Mama. Yeah, right. Obama I mean,
1: with a name like that, it's got to be good. Uh, come back with that uh, later on. Aaron Duran from Geek in the City. Uh, We'll talk about the uh, 10 most disappointing Halloween treats. Let's see, what else? Exit poll, we haven't done yet, and more from Tim Riley. Stay there, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program on AM 970, The Talker. Don't go anywhere. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503 Coming up this hour, we'll do another exit poll for folks who have voted. Find out what the uh, cultural pulse is out there. I'm kind of surprised that nobody else is doing this. I really am surprised that TV stations aren't going door-to-door to the exit poll right now. I mean, what are, the, are they doing? You Carl click. I well, mean, I mean, well, yeah, and I wasn't, you know, it, the, well, Carl clicks perfect. See, now I can't say what I was about to say. Oh. I was about to say a snarky thing about TV news. But now I can't. But you know, Carl Klick would bring a professionalism to this, though, that would, uh, you know, it, you know, bring it this, it's several notches above the fray. I was going to say for, for certain television outlets. I mean, really, what are they worried about? Like credibility? I mean, come on. So, uh, I mean, I mean, really, three minutes of news before you talk about like an like an amusing story having to do with a ferret collection somewhere. So, uh, by the way, this is a disturbing story from the front page of today's Oregonian. Winner of the 2007 Pulitzer Prize for Breaking News. Doctors say they often prescribe placebos. Half the doctors responding to a nationwide survey say they regularly prescribe placebos to patients. What? Right there. The New York Times. Uh, The results trouble some medical ethicists, and I would imagine not a few patients. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Let's see. They sent surveys to 1,200 doctors. They received 700 responses of those doctors. 62%. Believe that using a placebo treatment was ethically acceptable. First of all, you go to the doctor and your doctor gives you a placebo, you ought to be able to sue his ass. I mean, really, That's what am I pay- paying for? for yeah. That's what I'm saying. What, what am I paying for? You're going to give me, like, a sugar pill. Seriously, you find out that your doctor's giving you a placebo, you ought to be able to file a big-ass lawsuit about that. I mean, it'd be one thing if it was a single-payer health care system, if we had socialist health care where the government, you know, took care of people. Uh, you know, because then the government's paying for it. I guess they can do what they want, maybe. But now you're paying for something. Even with insurance, you got to co-pay. Uh, you're just getting, like, a guy giving you ground-up dirt or something in a, in a capsule. All right. F uh, that. Let's see. What else? Something, something. Oh, so uh, coming up this hour, we'll do Worst Song uh, You've Ever Heard, Part 2. We just did the Republican song. We'll do the, the Obama one. And we'll do an exit poll. More news from Tim Riley. We'll talk about the uh, worst Halloween treats to receive. Let's quickly do these calls. Then we'll uh, welcome Aaron Duran to the studio. Hello, sir. hello oh hello hi how are you hello hey
5: oh i'm sorry i thought you were introducing aaron i whoa. No, not no. "Whoa. um i sent you an email yesterday did on wednesday tim said that he saw aerosmith at a junior high school
1: arrow uh, tim saw aerosmith perform at a junior high prom
5: okay i sent you an email yesterday the opening level of the Guitar Hero Aerosmith game mm-hmm. is at a junior high school. Really? It's Nipmuc. N i p m u c. Uh huh. Junior high. And I was just curious if the godlike Tim Riley was actually involved in this game.
1: I don't know. Tim went to Tim grew up in Nashua, so I don't really know what uh, high school that would have been. Uh, will you please spell the name of the school one more time?
5: N i p m u c.
1: Nipmuc. Nipmuc. Nip-muc. All right. And the
5: opening level...
1: Of Guitar Hero, the Aerosmith version of Guitar Hero?
5: Yep. You got all these pimply kids standing around in really bad blue tuxedos and yeah. stuff.
1: And that might have been Tim at one point, if you've seen that photo at uh, RickEmerson.com. <laughs> that was uh, awesome. We'll look into that when he gets back in the studio, sir. Thank you. Yeah, ask him. All right, we will do. One more. Uh, hi, you're on the... Thank you. One more uh, call here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? It's me? Yes, it's you, sir. Hello.
4: Hey, I just got my property tax statements. So I thought you might be interested in it.
1: Yes. What? What? Uh, give us the. Uh, how much are you helping uh, the youth of today?
4: <laughs> well, I just left the house.
13: I left it at home. But uh, the city of Portland is telling me that my house is now, this year, worth 9% more than last year.
1: How and is that tax- even possible?
13: They're taxing me accordingly. So I thought you might want to let your listeners know that they can challenge that at the city of Portland. But I got a 9% increase in value.
1: What period of time does that assessment cover?
13: It covers this year.
1: But I guess what I'm saying is, is that from... Uh, because I don't have, I don't own a house. So I, don't, you know. um,
12: I think property taxes go June to June. So it's
1: yeah, fiscal year June to June. Okay, so we right. would, so it would not actually take into account this recent uh, downturn of the economy.
12: Yeah, but they're going to
13: tax you that way all of next year.
1: Oh, in other words, so you're saying they're using this assessment on next year's? Yeah, see, that's why no, right, house this, I don't know this any of this stuff. For your entire uh, next year's. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be calling uh, BS on that right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I get Susie Orman on that. Tell him, t- tell him really. Say so if they give you any trouble, you will, you will get Susie Orman's uh, ass down there to beat them senseless. I will do so. All right. Well, good luck with that, sir. So I'll pass that along to Tim as well. Tim is a uh, happy homeowner.
5: Yeah, let him know. Tell him to check that out. Keep All
1: watchful eyes. Du- duly noted. Thank you for the heads up, my uh, my friend. All right. Bye. All right, there you go. All right. Five It's zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. From Geekinthecity.com, rename 42ndorg dot Am I leaving anything out? No, that about does it Dude, <laughs> for now.
3: Uh, Geek we got, our, we got our property tax uh our property tax bill a couple days ago. Really? Yeah. Geek whore Aaron Duran again That's wearing right. a, wearing a, my own wear stuff.
1: One of his really it, that is typically a thing you see in the hip hop world. Guys wearing uh, shirts from their own like store, their own label or whatever, like a rock aware kind of a yeah, thing. Yeah, like Sean John. Totally. I gotta make my dollars. I know what I'm saying, but you and Kevin Smith does it too.
3: <laughs> That's right. Bob and Jane Bob's secret stash, Red Bank, New Jersey. One 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 two eight, New Red Bank, New Jersey. Okay. So you are wearing a, is that a World War Z? Yeah, so was, this is my uh, Zach Ain't Scared, Why Are You?
1: Excellent. That is fantastic. You can buy that at uh, store.geekinthecity.com? Shop.geekinthecity.com. Shop. Shop. Shop.geekinthecity.com. Shop. Yes. All right. Uh, got to pay my property bill. Okay. <laughs> i got to eat. Uh, so uh, you have sort of a movie review, kind yeah. of. This. Now, kind here's of. the thing. I don't care about this movie, uh, but I know that we have a lot of people out there who will because they're uh, in a family way. Yes.
3: You are reviewing today. I am reviewing... High School Musical 3. Yeah. You saw that? No.
2: Okay. <laughs>
7: Wait, so is this
3: like you're reviewing it based on driving by and looking at the marquee? Or? No, I am reviewing it based on uh, Miranda, Jason Crump's seven-year-old daughter. Mm-hmm. And uh, he got to surprise her by taking her to the screening a few nights ago. Uh-huh. So if you have children and you want to know that if you're, you know, if your kid's in the High School Musical and if they're of the right age and that good stuff, if you think that they're going to enjoy it, here, well, here's, here's the review. Susan Reynolds is already like, she she's mm-hmm. already zen with the fact that she's going to see it. Yeah. I quote, High School Musical 3, it's awesome. (laughs) Excellent. When asked why, because it's cool. (laughs) That is the beautiful circular logic of youth. You know what I mean? That's like the Beavis and Butthead, like, I like stuff that's cool, but I don't like stuff that sucks, because stuff that sucks blows. Yes, and then when finally asked why is it cool, the answer was because Troy is in it. So apparently Troy is this dreamy, dreamy man. Is Troy Zach Efron? I, you're asking me. Who,
1: I'm trying to keep up on my pop culture sure. number. No, is Zach Efron Troy? Because his girlfriend. Well,
2: he must be the main. I, I think he's the main guy, so I'd assume that.
1: And it's him. Vanessa. You That's only know Hedges. that
3: because of Hudgens, and because she was showing her cakes. She, she showed more than that. Yeah, there was full Monty in that little apartment. Actually. Um They were legal. All right, so there you go. So
1: uh, High School Musical three, yeah, apparently, which is really the, critic proof, though. I mean, the critics yeah. could. I mean, the critics could just come out and you know again, they could just excoriate and it. Doesn't matter, Everybody's Yeah, no, it so. doesn't matter
3: at all. This is franchise you know, baby. This is the you know the, the youth. This is their new. This is their kids incorporated, Sarah. That's no. the thing, and,
1: and you know what? And that's why I have to try. I try very carefully. I try very hard not to just rail on stuff that is marketed at kids, yeah, music or movies, because I mean, it's we yeah. had it. Yeah, it's easy to look back at your own childhood. And be like, you know, when I was a kid, we didn't have crap like High School Musical three. We had really, really quality entertainment like The Great Space Coaster, which is also crap. I mean, right. it's entertaining crap, but crap nonetheless. So I I'm mean, trying to w- convince
3: yourself that Saved by the Bell
1: was high art. Yeah, my it wasn't. Yeah, not entertaining, but uh, or not the you know not the not deep, but entertaining.
3: Yeah, that's you know that's really when all you're you seven
1: years old, it's exactly what you want. And you know, I something to be seven. And you know, I would and making stuff that kids will be into is probably not that easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, my brother. Uh, who's like way smarter and more ambitious than I am? Uh, it has r- tried his hand. He's written several books, and then of course the world of publishing is just such a closed system. Just trying to get a book published. Uh, he, I even now I probably shouldn't say the name or the concept of the book because I know he's he 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 had sort of as they call it a rabbi in the business. He had somebody who was working with him to try to get his. He wrote a children's book. Mm-hmm. And he was somebody working with him at a publishing house, and then that guy got fired, and now he kind of doesn't have his man on the inside anymore, so he's taking it to another publisher. But he wrote a really, really great children's book, and I was doubly impressed, and I love him being my brother, just because it's hard to do. Writing a children's book has got to be one of the most challenging things, because it's, you know, getting kids to read... Because it's not television, it's not it's an active form of entertainment. It's got to be very difficult. yeah. And oh, I mean, yeah. even making a kids' movie or TV show has got to be tricky. Well, cause because like
3: you and I, if we go into a movie and it starts, you know, kind of meandering, right. we'll give it twenty minutes. Your kid's not going to no. give it five minutes. You got to get especially,
1: you know, with yeah, you got to now because there's so many different options. You got to get kids immediately. You yeah. Hook them right then. So, all right. Anyway, so High School Musical three, critic proof. You'll see it anyway, but apparently it's great because of uh, Troy. Troy. And it's yeah. awesome
3: and cool. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I don't like stuff that sucks. Uh,
3: let's see what else is going on in the world of geekery. Um, right now, we've got the new episode of Film People Radio is up, uh, which is fantastic. It, uh, we've got more uh, more childhood horror stories. Uh, we've got uh, oh, horror horror stories. stories. Oh, okay. right. However, the governor does make an appearance and confuses uh, his his horror stories once again.
1: Do we have? Did you
3: bring some audio? I, I brought it somewhere in there. Hey uh, Richie, do we have? any from a couple the... weeks ago.
1: The audio that Aaron Duran brought in of folks being interviewed about their their you know the, the scariest film or film that scared them. Do we have that somewhere? I think so. Uh, can you can you look for that? <laughs> if you find it, let me know. Because you guys did a great thing where you interviewed I uh, like me and I think Storm. Yeah,
3: yours is going to be next week. All right, a
1: whole bunch of people where you, and then you posted people uh, from various walks of life talking about the first movie that really terrified them. Right. Uh,
3: all yeah. right. Well, let me ask you. So, first movie that terrified you? Uh, the first movie that you know, there's really the one that. I've got to go way back to, like, six years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first movie that I remember really terrifying me and making me look at shadows in my bedroom at night, believe it or not, was the original silent film Nosferatu. Oh, yeah, no, it's a creepy film. Yeah, because uh, at the time, our uh, our library had, like, this summer or autumn, like, reading program. And every weekend, you would go down, and you would listen to somebody, an adult, read to you. Well, when we came here Halloween, uh, one of the adults read kind of like the... Uh, not like the kids' version, but the compressed version of Dracula. Right. So like an we read it, it down. Yeah, and we yeah. all really got into it, and they said, okay, now we're going to show you the world's first Dracula movie. And they didn't really send any warnings home because it's a silent film. There's no ratings on it, so they weren't right. worried about it. And there's that moment where the actor who's playing Nosferatu, Max Schreck, which is the greatest name for an actor. Totally. He just rises up out of his... He just kind of rises up and the door opens. There's no – clearly, obviously, there's no sound. And it's just the shadow of his hand coming out and pointing at you with these massive rat ears and this disgusting makeup he has. Yeah. Just messed me up. I was enthralled by it. But at night, I grew up in a forest like every shadow through my window in the room every branch was just max shrek reaching in to grab me and That's it you great. tore me up yeah and then i became obsessed with horror movies but yeah
1: the uh, well you know and the thing about nosferatu and i've only ever seen parts of it i've never seen the whole thing and then i saw shadow of the vampire of course which is about the movie behind the movie and Right.
3: Um, which is very underappreciated i think that
1: movie it is it's a great movie yeah. but uh william william defoe yeah. william defoe um is that is that nosferatu dracula is so terrifying cuz he's not sort of sophisticated and almost, you know, because like the Lugosi, you know, Dracula almost had like that sexual component to him where he's right, seductive. Yeah. And there's nothing seductive about that Nosferatu vampire. Like he's a, a, like an animal, literally a, a rat. A, he's yeah. a well, Yeah, he's a rat that walks upright. That sleeps in Sarah's car.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Sarah. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, by the
1: way, somebody said if we want to do a station time capsule, we should put it in your trunk so it won't, be, won't ever be found.
2: <laughs> oh, 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 everyone's Na-da. a jokester.
1: Yes. Uh, how about this one? Oh, I'm sorry. This just in: Sarah Palin draws large crowd in Beaver. That's from news station KDKA. Beaver proud, proud part of the proud part of the CBS Radio family. Uh, have we asked you this question, Sarah? First horror movie that really, really terrified you?
2: I don't know if you've asked me, but I remember it was um, my first movie was It. I saw all that when the, I was the, way too young with John Ritter. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah. Tim Curry is
1: Pennywise. Oh
2: my God, I saw that. I couldn't shower like with my eyes closed for years Yeesh. because I was afraid he was going to crawl out of the drain. And then yeah, I would just see picture him at the foot of my bed, so I, I didn't sleep or yeah for like two months after I watched that. I
3: used to be terrified walking past storm dreams after I. Me after too. I, I was yeah. afraid
2: he was going to reach out and grab my ankle. Yeah, ankles. with those
3: teeth. Yeah, yeah he would. ooh. Way float. Ah, uh, oh. not when he sinks his fangs into you. Yeesh. All right, here's what we got we got to do uh, the, the
1: second It's the Worst Song You've Ever Heard, Exit Poll, Worst Halloween Treats, News,
3: But here's and you know what I'm about to write. I know exactly, and I've already got permission.
1: Okay, here's the thing. Sarah, oh, right. do you remember when you came in yesterday and you said, even before the show had gone on the air, it was like 1045, and you said, I've got the best worst story you've ever heard, mm-hmm. and you had sort of agonized about whether to tell it, and it was just, and this had to be the story of the rat or whatever living in your car. And there's still, we don't have a resolution on that yet, so we're looking into it. Um, have you thought about the no-kill trap?
2: Yeah, no, I think that's what I'm going to set up. Yeah,
1: because I've used those before. You don't want to you know, kill one I'm of God's creatures. Them. No, I'm not going to. No, I
2: don't, don't want to pick up a dead rat.
1: Uh, so, uh, and you said this is the worst, best story ever? Mm-hmm. Aaron has got a story that you don't want to hear, but you have to hear. Yeah. Now keep in mind, it's not uh you know, it's not not graphic in any sort of you know. In other words, it's not like a well. it Depends if you were there. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, but it's not like a story about. It. And then I put a crossbow through my eye. It's not one of those. It's not um, you know. It. it, it, it I'll just say it's a story you don't want to hear, but you do have to hear it.
2: Okay, let's hear it.
1: Let's, let's hear it. And uh, so I'll, Aaron, I'll let you kind of tell the the story. Of this. Right, I heard so... this last night when we were out. We went to dinner last night, and I and I heard this
3: so. <laughs> So last week at uh, Fatway Roberts, the Hobbit Hall, we recorded the Devil's Advocate uh, film radio commentary.
2: Oh, I got a couple of drunk phone calls from you and Scott.
3: Yeah, an absolutely. Yeah. We're getting there. So about, I don't know, about half an hour into the movie, there's this African-American, we're already a few sheets to the wind here. There's an African-American actor on there and none of us could place him, but we all, like you see him and like, you recognize him. So I joke, I'm like, well, that's non-threatening black actor number two. Just like that one white guy is non-threatening accountant white boy number one. Like you see him everywhere, but you don't know who he is. And um I said, you know, just like uh just like the cop in Die Hard. And we're like, you know, Powell and like, you know, he's also a cop in that, you know, what was it, full house show, or right. whatever the show was. And um Scott Daly drunkenly chimes in, yeah, he was also in rock. Uh Rock,
1: the sitcom from the early nineteen
3: nineties. Yeah. And we're like, no, he was Yeah, he was. I'm like, No, man, that was Charles S. Dutton. No yeah, that's the same guy that was the he was the partner in Die Hard and he was the cop in Ghostbusters. We're like, No, man, you're wrong. I will bet you right now. And I jump on the bed. I'm like, you got it. And Jason Crump chimes in and he he says, wait, Scott, if you're going to take this bet, you must allow me to choose the terms. And this is all being taped. This is all taped, by the way. You can download it at filmpeerradio.com. And Scott, whatever, man. I'm I'm so right. I'll take it. And Jason says, all right. If you're wrong, you must strip naked and run around the block tonight. (laughs) And Scott accepts
10: Oh reaches into God. his
3: BlackBerry, begins to go online, and as he's typing, he goes, Oh, no, wait a minute. No, no, I... I was like, you confused your black actors, sir, and you will pay the price. And it's all on Like He tried to weasel out of it, and they were rolling tape, where he was like, I'll do it, I'll accept any terms. Yeah, and then finally he, he's like, you know what, Scott Daly doesn't welch on a bet. And Fatboy jumps up and he says, look, I am not letting you run naked in my neighborhood. Not that i got to probably with running naked, but if you run around my block, you're going to come back missing parts. Because, you know, he lives in the dirty southeast. Mm-hmm. So finally, we come to a we come to a resolution that he doesn't have to run around the block, but he must run around naked in Fat Boy's backyard. Oh, jeez! So there is war garble audio footage of Scott Daly stripping down to God's creation and um, posing inside uh, Fat Boy's Raider um, blanket, and then throwing the blanket off and streaking in the back of Fat Boy in Fat Boy's backyard. There's tucking and flopping and Scott's tasty oh white God. butt screaming you, as he as he runs. Scott Dally saw, does not on Bets. You saw all of Scott Dally. We everyone so Well, I only saw about half because the minute he took off as the great pale wonder, my knees just buckled I collapsed from laughter. But uh, other people, many people, saw Scott and his Dally that night. Apparently, it was a whole lot of like, you have me?" Kind of me. Oh, my God. Um, and, now, and he was proud. You know what? We had to get, He did not welch on his back. And so, I
1: don't know if this is on the Film Fever Radio podcast, and we cannot talk about it here in any way, not even in euphemism. Oh, well, wait a minute. There is a horrible, horrible, horrible postscript to that story. It involves the Raiders blanket. It involves the Raiders blanket being wrapped around Scott Daly's nude body. He's jumping up in the armor. And... Someone later using the blanket, realizing to their horror, oh, my God, I'm using the blanket that was around Scott Daly's business. And And then retaliating. Properly? Retaliating uh, in a similar fashion involving many, many,
3: many (laughs) items in the home.
10: Oh, my God.
1: That's
3: all I can say. Film, fever, radio commentaries rule. If you have not come to one, you have not lived. Uh, All right. So uh, we should play... This Obama
1: song and then break. Mm-hmm. You think? All right, then we'll do exit poll, Tim Riley, and uh, and we'll talk about the ten worst of Halloween treats. Okay, so I've not heard this. Uh, Chris Paddock said this my way. This is. Let's see if I have the name of the song here. Uh, I think it is called. That's just the. That's no, just the Sarah Palin Beaver thing again. Um, it what are they called Oba- Obama Mama? I think that's what they're called here. Uh, let's see. Obama Mama, 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 Mama. All right, here we go. Uh, Chris Paddock, uh, the subject line of this is the much-anticipated much anticipated song of the election season finally available. The, oh, the band is the Obama Mamas. The Obama Mamas. The song is called Obama Rock. I haven't heard this. I don't know anything about it. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you It's the Worst Song You've Ever Heard, Part 2, Obama Rock, on the Rick Emerson Radio Program.
10: The Rock oh.
1: of this song. Maybe this is the chorus. I can't tell. Have we already had a, a chorus? Was that the hook? Did it come and go? I think that was it. Worst hook ever. <laughs> Okay. This can't be a chorus.
7: I think
3: that
1: is the chorus.
2: We're pretty sure this is
1: it. Yeah. Uh, Amber oh, God, thank God. I All felt right. my ears bleed. Jesus. All right. Back after this, more of Aaron Duran, Tim Riley, uh, our exit poll for the day, and the little Halloween discussion. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503 733 2970. Don't go anywhere.
10: Only out for a buck And then at home one evening Reading Craigslist online And in the personal section You know this post caught my eye
1: he sounds like Dr. Elmo.
10: On the political scene, and the other contenders seem like the same old routine. So I've responded to the posting with an ad of my own. And though I'm not much of a writer, I thought it struck the right tone. If you is more of the same if you're not into Clinton, if you're not for McCain, and if you want to make a difference in the O.A. campaign, vote with me for Obama and be an agent of change.
4: And now, now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley.
1: The guy who slammed into a cyclist while trying to steal beer from a grocery store in Northeast, pled guilty in court. Eric Davidson was hit on May 10th and was left lying in the street as Jeremy Jordan just took off. Jordan was trying to buy beer from a Safeway at Northeast Fremont, but the clerk refused to sell it to him because he appeared drunk. So he runs out for the beer, jumps into his car, hits the guy on his bike. David said a 36-year-old mortgage broker, and avid sportsman, was unable to walk or talk after the incident and suffered brain damage. He is being treated for trauma recovery at Emanuel. This email says, Rick, about that Barack Obama song you played before the break, the chick one. He said, I wonder if there's an AM radio program in another city that wrote and recorded that song and having a good laugh at your expense while you play it. That's possible. Hey Tim, uh, what yeah. junior high school did Aerosmith play at? Spring Street. Not okay, because apparently in the new Guitar Hero, mm-hmm. there is an Aerosmith, there's an Aerosmith version of Guitar Hero, and I guess the opening level of Guitar Hero has Aerosmith playing at a junior high, and it's called Nipmuc Junior High, N I P M U C. Made up. Okay. So, anyway. That's interesting, though, that it does have been playing at a junior high. And you were there, Tim Riley. I was there. I guess it's a bunch of just pimply youths in blue tuxes. Perhaps so. Yes. All right. The Dow Jones Industrial Average ends the day down 312 points. A group of prominent Asian Americans are urging people to vote against Proposition 8, which would amend the state's constitution in California to eliminate marriage rights for same-sex couples. Among them, campaigning for Prop 8 is actor George Trakai. she was campaigning against it. He played Mr. Sulu on Star Trek.
12: It is wrong for one faith group to attempt to write their religious values into civil law. I'm just a concerned citizen that doesn't want to see our uh, Constitution degraded in this way. And I feel like to protect anyone's rights, we have to protect everyone's rights.
1: Does it seem like now all the sound bites are just held up, just recorded by a guy holding up a cell phone in the back of the room? That's what it sounds like. Doesn't I it? think that's the that's the conclusion I've come to. Yes. Is that now anybody can sort of be a reporter? So it's just some jackass holding up his like Nokia phone in the back. And recording,
3: which is why they all sound that way. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, Aaron, uh, I haven't read it, but we were talking about it last night. Aaron apparently has written an open letter to William Shatner. Yeah, and I did send it uh, to his website. I don't know if it's gonna, you know, who knows if it's gonna get through, but telling uh, him to quit being such a jerk. Yeah, to quit being a little jerk about it. Yeah. And I also just read that um, Apple donated a hundred thousand dollars to uh, fight against Prop Eight in California. Excellent, good so, for them. Yeah. All right. <sighs> Wonderful. All right. We may live to see
1: uh, we may live to see redneckism stamped out in our lifetime. I'm just saying. Or at least shoved
3: into Florida. (laughs) All right,
1: Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen, greatest newsman in the history of the world. Back at four, five, six, and seven, top of the air all the way through. All right, let's do uh, our exit poll for the day. Uh, So, if you have voted in this presidential election, uh, and I guess it doesn't just mean Oregon because I think uh, I heard a PSA on this station wherein Tim Riley said, "Clark County's vote by mail too." So. Uh, If you have voted already in this uh, presidential election, now is the time to call. We're going to do an exit poll and see what the polls of the people are. Yesterday it was 60-40 for Barack Obama. Uh, It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. 970, and let us know who you voted for in this presidential election. And for the purposes of this uh, exit poll, we're going to skip, you know, when not talk about, like, uh, any other, like, the other races or propositions, because this is, because, you know, we're heard in more places than just Oregon. So, uh, we have people listening to us in, uh, Florida, in Texas, in Ohio, and all of those places have actually already, they've started voting already. So it's 503 733 Nine seventy five zero We're going to do the Rick Emerson exit poll right now and see uh, who you voted for uh, for President of the United States in this election 2008. Wow, that's loud. Let uh, me, all right, there we go.
3: Can I give mine if you would like? I voted for Obama. All right, hold on. Let me turn the page.
1: I'm shocked. I'm shocked. Obama, I'm not that shocked. I voted for that Thank one. 08. All right, that one. Uh, all right, Obama, there you go. It's 503-733-2970, uh, and we promise to keep snarking uh, to a minimum, even if you voted for uh, the Libertarian guy. All right, Rick Emerson's exit poll election 2008. For whom did you vote? All right, thanks so much. I That's appreciate the it. I was a Libertarian. That's... <laughs> <laughs> Jerk. Uh, hi, uh, Rick Emerson exit poll. For whom did you vote? Is it me? Yes, it is. Hello, sir.
12: I voted for Obama because I'm a... Typical
1: white All right, thank you. Uh hi, Rick Emerson exit poll, five oh three seven three three two nine seventy. 2970 for whom did you vote? all. All right, thank you. Uh Rick Emerson exit poll for whom did you vote?
11: Baldwin. Ron Paul can still win. Jeez.
1: Baldwin. What?
11: Ron Paul, the Libertarian. Ron Paul uh, endorsed him.
1: Uh, Who are we talking about? Oh, Chuck Baldwin. Okay, for a minute, I was thinking, like, Alex, Stephen, Daniel, Billy, America, you are a spoiled little pig. (laughs) You're talking about the uh, Chuck Baldwin for the Constitution Party.
4: Absolutely. Ron Paul can still win, and I'm crazy.
1: Well, okay. Sound the part. Acceptance (laughs) is the first Method acting. Thank you, sir. Uh, Hi, you're on the Rick Everson Show. Uh, McCain, Obama's too slick. All right, got it. Thank you. 503-733-297. That was a great line, Sarah. Well done. That was uh, that was funny just now. Hi, uh, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Exit poll. For whom did you vote? Obama. All right, Obama. I guess I should write down the. You know, this is how this is how my mind. I didn't even write down the Constitution <laughs> guy. Sorry, Chuck. We're never gonna have a president, Chuck. All right, can I just tell you that right now? All right,
3: Chuck Baldwin. can't even one. think of
2: president, Charles.
3: No, unless uh. his last name's Xavier. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. For whom did you vote?
8: Hey, Carrie from
1: Tiger voted for Obama. All right. Thank you. All right. Uh, Rick Emerson, exit poll. For whom did you vote? Obama. All right. Obama. Thank you. It's 503-733-2970. Hi, Rick Emerson, exit poll. For whom did you vote? I wondered how long I could let that go. That guy's calling from the uh, 1981 film Student Bodies. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show exit poll. For whom did you vote? Obama. All right, Obama. Thank you. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. For whom did you vote? We'll do one more bank here. All right, thanks so much. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. For whom did you vote? What's going on with our phone? That's the American political system in action right there. That really is
3: the... Uh, that's the They were going
8: sleep... to, but then decided against it.
1: That, exactly. Those are, those
3: are McCain supporters just giving up. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. For whom did you vote?
8: I barely knew her. A sound bite dropped at the end of any word ending in ER on the Rick Emerson radio program on AMSW Talker. Hi. Genius.
1: Well done, sir. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. For whom did you vote?
5: Uh, Bristol Ryan.
1: Okay. One more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. For whom did you vote? Obama. All right. Thank you.
3: All right. Well, there you go. Uh, okay. Man, where's all the Nader love? Man, the Constitution <laughs> Party got one? Chuck Baldwin won. McCain won. Uh, Obama
1: eight. So that's a big landslide like compared to yesterday. Yesterday, yesterday it was 60-40. Yeah, uh, yesterday it was Obama really buying those. So all right, well today, Obama, Obama representing strong. There you go. Uh, we'll do an ex- example at least once a day until the election. Don't forget, Tuesday, November 4th, the Rick Emerson Show's political party happens uh, at Grand Central Bowl, 8th and Morrison in beautiful southeast Portland, uh, along with our sponsors, Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing and Taboo Adult Video. And we are partnered with the Willamette Week and the Oregon Bus Project there, 7 p.m. Tuesday night, November 4th, election night, featuring live updates throughout the night, broadcast on this radio station by news director uh Tim Riley. So that is uh, there's Rick Emerson's political party coming up uh two well I guess like 10 days from now it's November 4th take a break back after this to wrap it up with Aaron Duran and more stay there like is at three Michael O'Mara's show at seven stay there the Rick Emerson show finishes next shout it, shout it, shout it out. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day—the final segment of the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't forget, according to CBS station KDKA, Sarah Palin draws large crowd in Beaver. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Uh, all right. Well, I mean, this is an awkward period of time. We got like four and a half minutes, something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's long enough to talk about worst Halloween treats. Are Necco's on there? Yes, they are. Well, maybe we'll do it. Let's get these calls and see what's up. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello.
11: Hey, how are you guys doing
1: today? Well, we're we're dandy, sir. How can I help you?
11: Uh, two things. Um, John McCain. Uh, remember how everybody counted him out when everybody quit and got fired, and he didn't have any money like during yeah. the
1: primary. Yeah, no, he was he was very. I mean, he was left for dead basically before he came back. And there's going to be a whole book at some point. There's got to be a book written about the unlikely journey of that guy to nominee this year because nobody thought that was going to happen.
11: Yeah, so he's kind of like the undead. And then um, also when you guys were playing the Chinese Democracy uh-huh. the other day, didn't it have like a real retro sound like it could have came out in like the real early 90s? Well,
1: it, well you know, it's funny you say that. Because... But, uh,
11: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Have a good day. Sorry. What? Have a good day. Are we done? Unless you I'm so confused. tell me a amusing story.
1: Will you ask me a question? No, I oh, think okay. he
3: just made a statement.
11: No, I, I no not I, I, I was joking like it's been in the works for like 18 years, and it could have came out in 92
3: when ah, it should
1: have. Okay, such so was the dryness of your wit that I didn't spot that I was actually going to say. It does actually have sort of a retro sound of the late 90s because it sounds a lot like the song oh my god which guns and roses put out on the end of days soundtrack which was a schwarzenegger film from i think 2000 maybe yeah uh 99 99 it
3: was part of the millennia horror yeah movies. so uh so there was a schwarzenegger film from a decade ago that had then it was like
1: the new guns and roses single which sounded a lot like that one so it all kind of sounds like some crap that's been in the studio can for way too long
11: yeah it's kind of sad i did did actually enjoy it even though you know it's just Axel Rose. Yeah,
1: Buck- yeah it's Buck- okay. It's, a, you know, interesting build up with the song itself. That the, I mean, the, the hook isn't strong enough for me, but what yeah. are you going to do? So.
11: Well, Buckethead and Tommy Stinson from The Replacements, is Totally, yeah. Did. Okay. Alright. Well, have a nice weekend. You as well, sir. Thank you.
1: No, it is worth noting about John McCain, though. That's why I think Obama keeps pressing on his uh, on his supporters like don't let up. Yeah. First of all, because a whole bunch of those uh, supporters are between the ages of eighteen and twenty five, who are statistically speaking the least likely to vote. I read well, they something. They think it's
3: in the bag. Like I don't have to get up tomorrow. See, or that's morning. the
1: thing. I read a study or a statistic the other day, and I don't know if it's true or not. It was a statistic that said that the youth vote, which is typically believed that is considered to be eighteen to twenty five, that is the youth vote. The highest turnout they have ever had in the youth vote is seventeen percent ever. They have never had more than 17% of the 18 to 25 demo vote. Hmm. And that's where Obama is. I mean, a big, huge chunk of his strength is right yeah. there. So, and, you know, a lot of those polls, even the poll that has it the furthest apart, I think, only puts Obama up by 8. Margin of error makes that 4. I've seen a couple that said 14. Yeah. So right. I don't believe that, though. Yeah. I don't know that I believe. I think it would be a lot closer than people think. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Don't count McCain out. He does want your brains. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. Yes. Hey.
12: Uh, did you guys want
1: to give away the tickets? Yes, we did. Uh, we did, but thank you. Thank you for uh, for being
3: interested in all we do here, sir. Well, I
12: was very interested because now I have nothing to do, but oh well.
3: Quick, what could he do? He can go to the Dearly Departed concert at the Doug Fur Lounge tonight. Dearly it's Departed, Storm Doug Furt tonight. You can see Storm and the Balls play. You can see Storm uh, Large play at the Doug Fur tonight, sir. Oh,
1: well,
12: that, that's maybe something, but it wouldn't be free.
3: Well, no, no, no. no oh, well, that's, uh, that's Free, you can just stand on a corner of any corner in Old Town and just watch that show. Or, I guess, depending on who you are, you know where my house is, and you can just come by and stare in the front window until I call the cops.
12: Hey, or I
1: could watch for rats in the trunk. Yes, yes, you could do that, sir. So, I mean, the world is your oyster. You have many options. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, All right. Have a good weekend. Thank you. You as well. Hi. Oh, I'm just hung up on a <laughs> guy. Sorry about that. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello.
9: What's uh, what's brown and rhymes with snoop?
1: Wait a minute. Whoa, is it five? Deja vu, That, that is head. weird.
3: I just heard this. He's freaking me out. out.
1: <laughs> I just heard this joke during the break. All You're right. Kidding. No 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 uh but it, here's the thing. We didn't tell it on the air. We heard Aaron during the break told me this joke. All right, sir. Uh tell the joke from the beginning. Go. What's well, brown and rhymes with Snoop? What is Brown and rhymes with Snoop? Uh, I don't know. I'm Dre. trying to No, no, see, now you stepped on it. Now we're gonna do it again. Oh, I did. We're gonna do it morning show style. One more time. Dump it. Start over. All right, no, no, no. Here we go. All right. What's brown and rhymes with Snoop? Doctor Dre. I was trying to find my clown horn. Where no. did my clown horn go? Oh. Is it? I was going to do, like, a morning show, like, womp, womp. All right. Hey, thanks for listening to the big show. Thank you, sir. He's got <laughs> <laughs> And the baby we'll end on that. I can't talk that. We'll go out on that joke. All right. One of the next CNN radio correspondents, Lisa Desjardins, James Roop, Steve Kastenbaum, Aaron Duran from geekinthecity.com. Yes. Uh, FilmPeopleRadio.com. New episode up now, including more Scott Daly nudity. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Tomorrow, miles around 9 to 11. Don't forget Musicology with Kristen Bowie and Timmy Ryan this coming Sunday, 7 to 9. You really ought to catch it. 7 to 9 this coming Sunday, Musicology. Uh, like us next, Michael Mayer's show at 7. See you Monday at 10 for the recap. Eleven of the show. Thank you for listening. Rick Emerson, Show produced today and every day with all the intelligence. Sarah Stone for AMN, and Saturday, the Talker, and the Newsroom, Marlin, the phones. Richard Bristol, the gatekeepers. Dave's in webmasters. Bridgem upstairs. Director of uh, marketing, Susan Reynolds. And have a good weekend. See you Monday. Watch it for next. Bye.
14: Rates Work in the cut in the Bush years. He is a typical white
7: person.